this is the Bud Man. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Alright boys, we are back. Episode 181 of the Moto X Pod Show. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Acherbies USA. For decades, Acherbies has been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. For products that fit perfectly, look amazing, and last, Acherbies has what you need. Visit AcherbiesUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and let Brian Fullerton and Talon Volan know that the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Also on board for 2021 X-Brand Goggles, Berm Lords Graphics and Jersey ID, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, All Sport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing for UWP Suspension Users, Extreme Colors, Helmet Paintings, and William Moto Williams Moto Works all on board. We appreciate all of our sponsors. We appreciate all of our listeners, our Patreon supporters. We got one more week in that Fly Racing tie down giveaway. Just remember, if you're a Patreon supporter, you can still get on board. I don't care if you get on today, you're still entered. Send us an email through Patreon of why you listen to the show, why you like the show, what separates us from everybody else, and we'll put you in the drawing. Tonight, we're also going to give away a set of Acherby's X-Future handguards, thanks to Brian Fullerton. We'll, uh, we'll tell you how to do that in a little bit. A little different setup tonight. Like I said, uh, well, I said this, I think, before we started recording on YouTube. TJ and Scotty are both out tonight. TJ's working. Scotty has uh, had a, a, a family issue so he couldn't make it tonight. Uh, prayers are with Scotty and his, his one of his buddies, actually. But uh, I'm trying to run the cameras. I'm trying to do the show. I got a couple special guests, a couple longtime buddies in the house with me from Shock Socks, from Berm Lords, owner of Shock Socks and Berm Lords Graphics, Moto Announcer Extraordinaire, Texas Winter Series Announcer, JS7 Amateur National Announcer, author of the Berm Lords Texas Motocross Chronicles book, The Black Sock Mafia Coach. <laughs> former whole shot magazine assistant editor your list is almost as long as jason wygant's maybe longer yeah mr shan garcia what is up thank you jamie thanks for having me in looking forward to this show and uh you've done a, a great job the last few years and glad to be a part of it and finally glad to be in the dark side studio here <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know about the dark side studio but uh we'll call it i like that's fair enough i like right, it right right um and we're gonna get into a lot of stuff with you guys before we get to our guest tonight uh which we have sean brennan from feld Justin Bogle, who's back with Rocky Mountain KTM, and one of our Texas boys, Curran Thurman, on tonight. But also another longtime buddy of mine in the house, owner of Pizza King in Longview, Texas, a sponsor for the show tonight. Pizza King back over there. Box, if you're on YouTube, over there, be by uh, Shand. Thanks for the pizza. Mr. Uh, Lawn Dart. Rob Springer. What's up, man? <laughs> Not much. Thanks for having me tonight. Very exciting to be here. Yeah, you know, you think both of you guys. So, Shand, I've known you what, probably – 20 years i don't know yeah rob probably as long but really not through At motocross least. in the beginning you know like 20 years ago like would you have thought we'd be in this room doing a podcast talking to justin bogle like maybe you shan because you were in the business well, in the industry yeah. but like it's kind of it's cool to have you guys here thank you man appreciate yeah, it Jamie. thank you we're looking forward to having a good night yeah so i want i got a lot i want to get into 
Um, we're going to try to get as much of it in before Sean comes on here in a little bit. Uh, six races in Texas this year. It's a big deal for us. We are all stoked. I, I always call you, Shan, the, his the Texas motocross historian. Um, tell me a little bit about how you – you've been on the show before, but, like, why Texas motocross became is so passionate for you, why you're so passionate about it. What drew you in in the early days? And like, give me a little bit of your background on why it, it's your love. Well, you know, like like everybody else, ninety nine percent of the people out there that ride dirt bikes, you kind of looked up to an uncle or a dad. It was my dad. Uh, he rode a little flat track in the seventies, just as a beginner, true beginner, novice rider for a couple of years. So as a toddler and as a baby in diapers, I was just born around motorcycles. Grew up hearing the hearing the sound and listening, smelling the sound, smelling the gas, hearing the sound, being at the racetracks, and uh, you know as well as I do, Jamie. Um, once that's in your blood, you don't ever let it go. It, it never escapes. So, just a kid, I always grew up riding dirt bikes. But I've got a, a uh, I've had a lot of people tell me um, through the years. You know, I've got a little bit of a Davy Coombs sense about me where I can appreciate the the history and yeah. the nostalgia. Um, just kind of nerdy in that way. Um, so I, I just, I've, I've always was fascinated. A lot of years I wasn't able to actually be a racer, uh, family difficulties, divorces, no money. So I always kind of just would like any kid, you know, you looked at motocross action magazine or dirt rider or dirt bike, or you'd walk up to Albertsons or Tom Thumb or Walmart, you know, walk two miles to try to get one magazine and just fixated on the images and the photos yeah. and the, the dialogue, the, the articles, uh, all the pinning that went on to create a magazine and um, I think just a culmination of all that uh, was just bred in me where I just absolutely kind of dig some of the history. Uh, I respect all the older generation that I got to idolize and watch. Yeah, you're more into that really even now still than the current stuff. Like sure. you would much rather talk to Dennis Hawthorne or Josh DeMuth than – Eli Tomac. Sure, sure, yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've been, you mentioned Eli Tomac. I got to announce him as he was an amateur yeah. when he come here to Texas and race. Um, and I have all the respect in the world from him. But it's the little kids now that was once you and I who looked up, who looks up to Eli Tomac now. Like I used to look up to Ricky Johnson and Jeff Ward or, or Jimmy Weinert or Bob Hanna or Steve Stackable or Steve Wise. So I, I love them all, but I, I fixated on that history aspect, and that's just from being a, a kid. Sometimes it wasn't able to actually go race a dirt bike until I could kind of do it on my own. But that I hope that answered your question. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Way. And, Rob, you've never been on the show before. Uh, no. You were a little bit reluctant to even be on camera tonight, but, you know, you, you stepped up to the mic. Sure. I, uh, but tell me a little bit about your history. Like, when I first met you, when we first moved to Texas, my dad was actually doing some work for one of your your convenience stores. Yes. And I didn't even know you rode dirt bikes then. And then your nephew, JP, started racing, and you'd come to the races. And I still didn't know that you had a history riding until years later. What is your – like, how did you get your start? What was your story? I grew up in a, in a family that rode. Uh, uh, my dad, mom, brother, and sister, we all rode. Uh, motocross, I, I really got into that just from – the influence from some good friends, uh, Chris Hans, Mike Hans, Quinn Ricker, a bunch of guys that I grew up with in Richardson area, uh, were into racing. And, and once I got a taste of it, I just couldn't get enough of it and have been doing it off and on for my entire life. So, 
And give me, I know you've it. raced some of the cr- classic tracks of Texas back in the, like, when did you get your start? What year? 1976. Uh, first time was at Rabbit Run, which is also the first track I'd ever ridden. So I was one. How old were you, yeah. Dan? Uh, in 76, I was three. Man, you're I, old, Rob. Yeah, I am, yes. I was 12 <laughs> at the time and and just knew I had to race. It was just yeah. so fun. I just loved the track, would go any moment, any time I had the chance to, and, and uh, just loved it my entire life I, I really can't explain why i was drawn into it he was oh, fortunate in the sense that he got to ride rabbit run which yeah. is up in plano on 75 yes. and that's where they had a uh, an ama trans am where roger DeCoster and all the all the yeah. boys showed up and that's where he was yes. growing up as a kid riding a little yz80 is that the track you have the sign in your don't you have a, a that's sign? ross downs oh, okay ross yeah. downs yeah that's mm-hmm. another that's another oh, track be way yeah. before my time in texas mm-hmm. yes yeah so rob tell me some things that you've seen Texas history wise races in his, in Texas oh. that have stood out to you through, you know, early days, seventies, well, eighties, like what are some things? Yeah. You- first I was fortunate enough to, to be able to attend the, both the trans AMAs at rabbit run in 76 and 77. And I guess my first hero, like many others was, was Marty Smith. Okay. Yeah. So I got to see him there along with Jimmy Weinert and DeCoster and, you know, all the, all the guys I'd read about in magazines for years before I even was able to get a bike to race. Uh, because we were into trail bikes prior to that. And, uh, you know, from there, some of the early uh, early races at, at uh, Whitney, I got to oh, see. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was great. My favorite track of all time was Lake Whitney, like many other folks. Yeah. Uh, and was able to watch, uh, you know, rookie years, I guess, of, of guys like uh, Ron Lachine and, and uh, Ricky Johnson and, and Ward. Was, I, everyone was there. It was just so, so cool to see those events and be able to meet some of those guys in the pits and and just idolize them for forever that's awesome i I hate that i missed all that stuff you know coming so late uh shan so again i said six races of supercross in texas yeah that's that's big for us i mean do you think right they always start in california they have four or five races in california throughout the the year typically do you see if things get back to normal maybe you know covid goes away we get back to what we consider normal that maybe this could be something that grows that kind we of a new a, deal kind yeah, of a new get a few more texas races um that's a great question jamie you know they've got six rounds usually in california three anaheims yeah san diego it's been two the last couple of years but right san yeah. diego oakland phoenix i say six rounds yeah, phoenix west is, coast yeah. yeah five five hours out of la um with the industry being there i i don't i don't know that we'd keep six rounds here maybe, right. well, maybe i don't think six but i like that more than two yeah maybe three or four possibly awesome. uh but eventually it has to go back to southern california it, it has to and uh and and but i wouldn't i wouldn't be too uh too heartfelt hurt if they got rid of six rounds out west and brought another <laughs> round or two here, yeah i think know? a lot of the a lot of the guys that even live out there wouldn't be too upset about that and right. I, I guess we'll talk to Sean later on yep. about some of that, but this is probably a big eye-opener to to Sean and to Feld, and, and hats off to them for making all this happen this year, and we will talk about that with Sean later uh, on the program. But uh, this is probably an eye-opener for them, that they can come to this Texas market in the central United States, and it cuts out a lot of traffic for a lot of teams, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of privateers, a lot of this is the whole industry. And I, I think we're going to talk to Bogle when he comes on, and, and Kern too a little bit, that being in a city for a week – it's a lot less stress for them probably where they they don't have to fly in early in the morning, fly out the next you know the next morning or late at night or whatever. It's just they can kind of chill. They can maybe find somewhere to ride one day of the week maybe, but also 
enjoy the city a little bit, which they sure. usually don't get it to do. But I want to get back to you, Shan, just a little bit. All these things I announced, I, I introduced you with. Um, how'd you get? How'd you get your start announcing to begin with? Because you do some of the biggest races in Texas. You've done stuff in Arizona. Uh, yeah. How did you get that start? What was the first one, and who got you to do it? Well, to be honest, uh, it's it's crazy. Uh, Buffalo Creek, Russell Hobbs at Buffalo Creek, the track out in Canton, a uh, small little track out there. I would uh, go out there and cover the events. He would buy advertising from me in Whole Shot Magazine, and then I'd go out there with my camera and shoot shoot some images and kind of cover the event. And if we had some room, put it in Whole Shot Magazine. And he just kind of wore me out one day and said, "Shan, you need to get on the microphone, man. I can't I can't seem to find an announcer." And you know everything, and you're so in tune with everything that's going on on the amateur scene right now. Just get on the mic. And I joke and said, well, you know, Russell, I don't, I never aspired to be an announcer. I don't know if I'd be any good. And he said, you'd be great at it. Just do it. So uh, I got on the microphone, and it just kind of took off. I mean, once I did one or two of his small races he had, it was just a lot of fun to do those races. Word spread. Next thing you know, everybody's calling me Shan put the camera down and get on the microphone or, or do both. You know, if I was a co-announce with Jack Rhodes or Lynn Nickerson or JP Parsons, then I would go out there and shoot a few images and come back up and get on the mic. And uh, that's just kind of how it all blossomed. And it's crazy to think that's been about 15 years, Jamie. Yeah. It's been a long time. I mean, I remember like when I first moved here, you were, I think you were working with whole shot and yeah. that's kind of where I got to know you. And I remember thinking like, I remember seeing you at Dallas Supercross and I'd met you, I don't remember where, maybe Swan, I don't know, but I saw you at Dallas Supercross, like sitting down a few rows. I was like, man, I want to go talk to him, but like I was sort of fanboying out over yeah, you, yeah. you know, because like you work for a magazine, you know, and and you announce races and like you like you you knew all everybody. Sure, you could get me pictures of like riders that I wanted to meet, you know, and I thought right. that was pretty cool. And then you know we developed a friendship over the years, and uh, we actually pre-recorded a little a little story time to talk about some. Some trouble you've almost got me in and how you met Rob. So that's going to be tagged on to the end of the show. Um, how about Whole Shot? How did that come up? That was, a, you know, a longtime Texas motocross magazine. Yeah. Um, it didn't cover just Texas, but, it, you know, you, how'd you get involved with them? And so, what was that like? So the owner was John Willis. He, yep. owned, he lives out in Fort Worth, and he owned Whole Shot magazine. And uh, John and I had raced together and amongst friends in the early 90s. We were in that early 90s motocross crew where he would drive in from Abilene and I'd drive down from, from Dallas to down to Lake Whitney or Mosier Valley. And, and we formed a friendship. We weren't hangout buddies, but we knew each other. And uh, through the years, I got into equipment lease financing, commercial equipment lease financing as a finance broker. And I started doing dealership financing for dealerships. And... Um, I was at Central Yamaha, the which is now Maxim Honda Yamaha up in up in Allen, Texas. Yep. It was then Plano, Texas. And uh I'm up there hanging out, buying some parts and doing equipment lease for Central Yamaha and John walks in with a stack of magazines. I say, Hey John, he goes, Hey Shannon, you know, it'd been years since we'd seen each other. That happened a couple of times where we'd be in the dealership and we'd run into each other while he was delivering magazines. And he would always say, Hey, if you want to come over and sell some ads or what do you, you know, if you want to come work for the magazine and Kind of like Russell Hobbs, I just kind of said, well, you know, I don't know anything about running a magazine or being an assistant editor or selling advertising. Uh, but, you know, I'll just put that in my back pocket and who knows one day. Well, around two, that, that, all, that all started happening around 2000. 2004, I was throwing a huge pit party at the Dallas Supercross. Brought in DJs and kegs and a few hundred dollars worth of food. Is there any story that you're involved with that doesn't involve alcohol? A party, a party, yeah. yeah. So I'm throwing this big party, and, and I get this, I get this uh, 
uh, text and it's John or a page or whatever, a phone call. And he said, Hey man, I'm up at, I'm up at the stadium. I'm pulling a up page. Yeah. <laughs> I'm up at Texas stadium. Man, where are you at? And I said, well, I'm over in lot blue, you know, blue 28, yeah, yeah. look for the party. And, uh, John walks up and, um, he pulls me aside and he says, man, the guy I've got selling ads right now, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to let go. It's not working out. And, um, what are you doing right now career-wise? And I said, well, John, it's funny you ask, because my equipment lease financing career was drying up pretty quick, and uh, I had no no source of viable income at that point. And he said, why don't you come over to Fort Worth and sit down with me, and let's talk about selling advertising in the magazine. He goes, I need your name. Your name's already out there. I need your name. You'd be great at it. That's what opened the door to the magazine and got us just started selling ads for Whole Shot Magazine. Okay. And, it, you know, it being a regional publication and only bi-monthly, every two months we put out a print, uh, there was really no money in it, but I knew that that would open up other avenues and other doors, and uh, and it was fun. I loved working for Whole Shot Magazine. It was a total blast. Awesome. Now, I want to ask you about starting Shock Socks and Berm Lords, but I want to, I want to shift gears just a little bit for a second. Sure. Rob, um, who – in your opinion, is your favorite? Now, I'm not going to say who's the best because uh-huh. that's too uh, it, it, there's too many factors. But who is your favorite Texas rider of all time? You have one? Anybody stand uh, out? Gosh, there's so many. Probably I know. Right? Uh, Dennis Hawthorne would be one of them. Obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've got guys that I had the opportunity to ride with, like Carol Richardson and uh, Brian Abernathy. I looked up to those guys and. Uh, I don't know that I have a favorite. There's so okay. many that I admire. Well, how about, all right, how about, I don't even know if I want to say most successful. Like, what, in Diamond Dawn? <laughs> there it is. Yeah, okay. Well, let me ask you, Shanda, the same question, but, sure. like, Hawthorne won all those arena crosses, you know. Billy Whitley won a lot of races and then went on to run teams, team manager. Manager, yeah. Um, you got, we claimed Josh DeMuth, obviously. There you go. Um, you know, we, we claimed Ben LeMay for a little while before he left. And we've, we've got so many riders, so many great riders, Bogard, I mean, probably oh, yeah. maybe yeah. the most potential of any of them. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about that? Like who, who, who would be your guy if you had to pick one most favorite to watch ride a motorcycle? You know, that's a, that's a, a really, really, really good and tricky question. Um, you know, when I was a teenager and a kid and a teenager and I'd go over to Mosier Valley and watch Friday Night Racing when my bike was blown up and I couldn't afford to fix it. Yeah. I'd just sit on the fence and watch. I got a question about Mosier Valley. It would but... be it would be Hawthorne. I mean, it would be Hawthorne and it'd be Bogart on 80s and Hawthorne on a 250. Yep. And uh, it, on a good Friday night, you would get to see both them race and, and Clay Hohenshaw would come down <laughs> yeah. and he would race with Hawthorne in the pro class and they just put on a show. Yeah. So, you know, favorite wise, uh, man, that's, that's tough, you know, cause I got to see Hawthorne on the big bikes and Bogart on an 80 and, and they were equally, they were equally as, as impressive. And, uh, to watch Charlie Bogart on an 80 and, and even a one twenty five two. I stroke, still probably feel like I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. I, I got to, I, I got to watch, uh, I got to be at Lake Whitney watching the GNC in 93. Um, where it was Carmichael, Eric Vallejo, oh, Vallejo and, yeah. and Charlie Bogart square off. And Lynn Nickerson was doing the podium interviews after each moto. And if Carmichael won the moto, Bogart would be tearing up, pouting, kind of a crybaby. <laughs> but then then an hour later, you'd see the role reversal. Bogart would win the moto, yeah. and Carmichael would be tearing up, pouting, right, crybaby. Yes. And uh, that was probably one of the most epic racing days I've ever seen. On uh, These kids were on 80s, and they were just – phenomenal you know but uh 
favorite wise, uh, you know, I, I love Dennis Hawthorne. It was okay. just cool to yeah, see he's, him. He's great. And you know, he, he's a, he's an all around good guy. Yep. And he was a privateer. He didn't get a whole lot of help. And he went out there in some of those 500 outdoor nationals and, and was whole shotting with Jeff Ward and Ricky Johnson as just a two digit privateer on it with an LCS back to deal with Jack Yost wrenching. So, uh, you kind of have a, you, you kind of root for the underdog in a way. And that would be Dennis Hawthorne. Yeah, I like Dennis a lot, and um, we've got about 10 minutes before Sean gets on, so we're going to have to get to some of the stuff sure. towards the end of the show. Um, i got so many things I want to ask you, but the, the Charlie Bogart thing I talked about, early days of this show, we had Charlie on. He was one of our earliest guests. Two things that stand out to me that blew my freaking mind, ADCC rider, Dallas Supercross back when they had Amateur Day, yep. and they put a little, little hump Sp- in front of the bump. triple. Speed bump. And tell you, don't jump the triple. Yeah. He would freaking wheelie over that bump and do the triple anyway on an 80 just unbelievable that was the one of the coolest things and then the little quote-unquote arena cross supercross track at swan that he yes. used to race like once a year yes and coming out of that thing it had this little right left chicane he cleared it hit the triple and cleared into that little well, he would do the triple and then in the chicane trey had built these little jumps in the corner so that you couldn't really just kind of skim through it straight. You would have to you would have to go to the jumps or go around them. They weren't really even jumps. But anyway, the the for everybody the software stopped recording again. Uh, but he would jump that thing. It wasn't even supposed to be a double. And like some of the pros were like like I'm not even jumping that. It was just nuts. Uh, I apologize, Shane, if you got out there re say some of the stuff you said a minute ago. But well, I just think it's incredible you were there too yeah. because I was there. I was camcording it, videoing it on VHS. I've got that VHS tape at the house. Um, and, and Bogart was killing it on that triple and then launching from onto that little mogul. And, and it's funny, you saw him go over the bars because yeah. I did too. And it's one of those things where you didn't really see Charlie Bogart wreck. But when he did wreck, it was pretty pretty astronomical because the dude was doing stuff that other 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 skilled riders were not doing at all. And that's the legend of Charlie Bogart. Absolutely. you know. And before Freestyle MX, like I've seen people do whips, right? Or back then, like do a tabletop. Right. But I had never seen anybody turn a bike completely backwards in my life before I saw Charlie do it at Mosier Valley over the big hill. Right. That was there when I went in like '94. But um, okay, so we've got six minutes. Speaking well, you, of, well, you let me interrupt you real quick. Yeah, you yeah. talk about you know Travis Pastrana. Yep. Freestyle Nitro Circus. Sure. Pastrana's hero when Pastrana was on small bikes was Charlie Bogart. He looked up to Charlie Bogart. Yeah. So that that ought to awesome. yeah that ought to tell you you know Bogart was doing stuff on a bike that the average person had not seen and was not going to see at all. Period. Yeah, I agree. Uh, be- so we got five minutes. Mosier Valley made me think of a movie I haven't watched in years. Used yeah. to watch when I was a kid. Just watched it on YouTube TV the other night. The Dirt Bike Kid. Uh, Mark Bill Billingsley. Mark Bill. I can't remember <laughs> the kids. The kid that was the Christmas Carol kid or whatever. Yeah. Christmas Story kid. The Dirt Bike Kid, some of the stuff filmed at Mosier Valley. What's the story behind that? How'd that come to be? What do you know about it? Well, I know that Jack Ricks, uh, he's on Facebook. Um, he was a hot shoe team green rider. He was one of the stunt guys, maybe the main stunt guy, as well as Jason Langford helped with some of the stunt riding. And you see, when you watch that video, the movie, you can kind of see the number 80 on a Kawasaki. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of the stuff that the, the main actor, the main character was, that was Jack Ricks doing all that stuff. Yeah, you could tell he's a bigger guy. Sure. So, Didn't uh, notice it as a kid, but... <laughs> you know, I... I 
I don't really know much about how why the decision was made to film some of that in okay. Euless, but I, I guess probably because the track was there. I don't really know why the movie was created other than, you know, the kid took an XL 100 or 125 and got rid of the lights and stuff. But uh, that was that was pretty cool to know that, that that was shot at Mosier Valley and then we had some of the local hot shoes of the mid-'80s yeah. right here doing all the racing as real race footage. I believe you can hear Lynn Nickerson's voice at some point oh, in there. Oh, maybe. I, I yeah, believe. There is definitely an announcer. I didn't really, I didn't click that that was who that I was. I think it is. I'm pretty okay. sure it, it would make sense it would be. I don't know who else it would be. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. mentioned the name a couple times. Like, there's a TV commercial in the beginning of the movie, and it actually spelled wrong. It's like M-O-S-H-E-R, Mosher, yeah, Mosher. Valley. But then he says it a couple times, and they go to the track a couple times. And, yeah, I, I was I thought that was pretty rad. But, uh, hey, let's take our first commercial break, and we'll be back with Sean Brennan from Feld. What's up, guys? This is the 7 Juice Trade out of Entercamp. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbeastUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo sent you. Hey, Dad. Great race. Not sure how you could even see. Thanks, bud. Track conditions were pretty brutal, but thanks to my X-Brand goggles, I had hashtag clear vision all the way. X-Brand goggles has grown into the goggle choice of many of the top privateers, such as Ben LeMay, John Short, Alex Ray, Kyle Chisholm, as well as 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion Gary Sutherland. Hey, guys, this is Gary Sutherland, 2017 Works and Hare and Hound champion, and I trust X-Brand. My name is Ben LeMay, and I choose X-Brand goggles. Hi, I'm Andy Kiefer, and whenever I want to be best dressed, I wear X-Brand goggles. Hey guys, this is Kyle Chisholm, and for almost a decade in my professional racing career, I've chosen X-Brand as my goggles. Now, X-Brand goggles is joining the Moto X Pod Show for 2020 with their EKS, S, and Flat Out Series goggles. Go to eksbrand.com or email darksidemx3 at aol.com for pricing. What's up, guys? This is Alex motherfucking Ray. And if you don't use X-Brand, then you. If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy lock-on grips today. All right, we're up with our first guest of the night, brought to you by Fly Racing. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. In 2019, Fly Racing was the title sponsor of Supercross, uh, with riders like Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, and even the beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. Tonight, Fly Racing brings us from Feld Entertainment, Mr. Sean Brennan. What's up, buddy? Hello, hello. How are you doing, buddy? I am doing good. Uh, It's getting a little bit hard to sleep. Because we have six freaking races in Texas coming up. Uh, the first three rounds of Houston. I still don't know if I'm getting credentials. I can't sleep. I can't think about Christmas. I'm, I'm a mess, Sean. I, I, I love it. And, you know, I think, I think we should ask, 
your good buddy Shan there to maybe come out with a commemorative whole shot magazine uh, just focused on these six rounds in Texas. What do you think about that, Shan? Yeah, uh, the magazine is no longer, but I can do something. <laughs> I can do something online. We can put together a pretty good photo collage and some history on the Texas Berm Facebook page, and really dial in on some major history with Texas. There you go, because we have a rich history. You guys were talking about it at the top of the show, and uh, man, yeah, Christmas. It's like I'm in the same place. You know, I posted something today and said, "Oh, it's almost Christmas." No, wait, yes. it's almost Supercross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm having to pretend like I'm thinking about Christmas, but really, I'm just thinking about Supercross and you know all the all the fun we're gonna have. I mean, look, you got to deal with uh, what six weeks in Salt Lake City. That was cool. Yeah. But this year yes. we're gonna get multiple cities with a week at a time, so the riders, the teams aren't gonna get super burnout, but they're gonna get time to enjoy the finer side of the city a little bit. Hopefully, maybe get to spend some time if their families are along. It's it's gonna be really cool this year. No, it is. It's going to be completely unique. Uh, 21 is going to be a very historic year in a lot of different ways. Uh, one, I mean, the racing is going to be fantastic, and you know, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. But just the novelty, if that's the right word, and just how different this season is going to be. Um, you know, six rounds in Texas, two fantastic Supercross cities that have a reach history rich history in this sport and it's just going to be you know it's going to be limited so the people that are there either from a fan perspective uh and are you know in the stands and in pod seating you know like we'll never do that again right, right. but even the media on site i mean it really you know is going to be a unique experience it's going to be a different experience uh, but it's going to be probably a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing for all of us. Um, you know, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of athletes talking on various interviews the last couple of weeks, and, you know, they always get the question, it goes back to Salt Lake, do you like the, you know, staying in a city? And, you know, for the most part, you know, it's yes. Um, you know, it's such a rigorous travel schedule, 17 races in 18 weeks, all in different time zones, in different areas around the country, and sometimes going from East Coast to West Coast or West Coast to East Coast. Sure. Uh, you know, I was just looking at the schedule the other day and thinking, holy cow, this is going to be a breeze even for me. <laughs> I, don't have to, I don't have to travel all the way across country right. at all. I think, you know, Houston's about two and a half hours uh, Indianapolis is about the same, uh, you know, Dallas, same. It's like, wow, I might not have a flight over two and a half hours. This is great. That's sweet. <laughs> what has been the most difficult thing about getting this, uh, this, 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 not the schedule set necessarily, but putting all the parts together, uh, you know, we still have this fear that things could get shut down. Uh, I know you guys are doing everything you can, 25% capacity, I believe, uh, but, What's been the di most difficult process of getting the 21 season together? Wow. Um, man, a, a lot of different things. You know, we just finalized our mitigation plan. That really is the end-all and be-all Bible <clears throat> that 
you know, is really the plan that goes to and we, you know, has been worked in conjunction with local governments, local health departments uh, that really drive everything that we are going to do uh, to keep not only, you know, the athletes and the operations safe, but how we're going to keep, you know, fans safe as well. Yeah. So I would say the mitigation plan, um, you know, and we were the pioneers of the mitigation plan. So, you yep. know, going back to Salt Lake City, we went through all of this back then. Uh, and obviously we were one of the very first sports to, to come back and, you know, have a responsible return to racing plan. So we've already been down this road, but, you know, working with Salt Lake City and one city and one sports commission versus, you know, how many different cities and states that we're in now, um, you know, and it's different everywhere in the country, you know, is dealing with different things. Uh, so that, that has been the most difficult. But, you know, I will say that everybody has been, you know, working in tandem, working in conjunction, uh, full transparency. We have, you know, kept our partners and kept our teams and athletes, you know, a part of the conversation. Uh, you know, no decisions have been made in a silo. Uh, communication has really been key for all of this. But that's probably the most difficult thing. And then, you know, we're continuing to be thrown curveballs um, at every turn, you know. And whether that's, you know, the three remaining dates that were still, you know, unannounced or, yeah. you know, even with the, you know, Fan Fest, you know, is there any way that we can do Fan Fest in Indianapolis? And unfortunately, you know, the answer is no. We're there at a very, very difficult time of year with the weather. Uh, but in Houston, yeah, absolutely, we're going to have a fan fest. Uh, but then you start to reimagine that. So even in Salt Lake City, we didn't we didn't have fan fest. So there are a lot of different things that we, you know, have to work through and have had to work through. That is much different when you're looking at 17 rounds <clears throat> versus seven. Uh, you know, in a four-week, three-and-a-half-week span sure. in one city. Yeah, it makes sense. Sean, this is Shan here. Um, quick question. or uh, First off, just uh, thanks for all the hard work you've done. I know this has been one of the strangest things you guys and your team have probably had to ever come up against or face. And, and five years ago and even two years ago, you would have never even thought this would even be a conversation piece. Um, no, not at all. Yep. Thank you. So, so when you posted up the dates, I shared that on Facebook. I tagged you and I said, Sean, you know, I owe you a steak dinner uh, when you get <laughs> when you get to Texas. So, take me up on that. Um, when you're when you're down in Houston for those, hey, invite me along for that one. Please. I, I might, <laughs> I might. <Jamie. laughs> when you are down in Houston, uh, let's just take Houston for example, since since that's uh, where this is all going to kick off. Um, would you like to go ride at a track locally if we've got some bikes down there for you on a day off, or are you going to be flying back and forth back home and, and back to Houston? What are, nice. your, what are your travel plans? So, yeah, like the athletes, fortunately, you know, we will be in each city for, you know, that extended time. So for Houston, whatever that Wednesday is, like the 12th or the 13th, I'll fly in early. Uh, and then, yeah, I'll be there all the way through uh, through that following Sunday, uh, the 24th. So that's going to be very different uh, for all of us as well, just like it is for the race teams and the athletes. 
that we will be there. So yeah, we'll be uh, we'll definitely be coming and we'll definitely be staying. <laughs> well, if we can if we can get some some side time and you can break out for four or five hours, maybe we can head over to Three Palms and and uh, do a little bit of riding and uh, give you something to do because it's it's one thing to be stuck in a city for five or six days, but if you don't have anything to do, you're bored out of your mind. Yeah. And not that you're going to be bored, you're going to have plenty yep. of tasks at hand. I understand with the teams and in the organization and orchest- orchestration of the whole program, but uh, you know there, there's a half a day and you want to go bust out of uh, bust out of the stadium area and, and drive up the highway about 30 minutes. We can uh, maybe go burn some laps. I can provide the bikes. Wow, that is a fantastic offer. Very, very much appreciated, and uh, thank you. Duly, yeah. duly noted. No, sure. that would be fantastic. And, man, I've heard a lot of really good things about that track. Um, so that's a uh, – Tracks. That's a pretty – yeah, in track, yeah, you got, got a like lot. Five yeah, there. exactly. He's got five or right? six tracks there, yeah. He does. He's got a, a few tracks. It's a phenomenal facility, and uh, the, the kicker here is this. They should be having a super cross. They have a super cross track. I'm sure it's going to be getting revamped. So I would imagine some of those riders are all going to be heading over there to get some to yeah. get some di- dialing in some situations. I know some guys have reached out, and and you don't know this, Shan. I think Sean does. Friday night, I believe the 15th, the night before the first Houston round. Uh, Mathis is doing a live Pulp Mix show from Three Palms, okay, right outside the building there. So a lot of the podcast, our listeners, the po- the Pulp Pod podcast listeners will be there so that'd be a kind of a cool day to have a ride day well if, there, if there's no pr- uh, media day which i assume there won't be like people come out friday maybe ride hang out for the pulp mx show and sure yeah i mean i think it's gonna be a really cool weekend sean yeah i know i totally agree and i did i <clears throat> you know heard steve mention that i think that's a great idea i'm sure you've been to some of his uh live live shows and oh, they're yeah. absolutely you know, hysterical. Uh, those those guys. You know, and I've told Steve this. I've told Jason this. I said, you know, it, it's very hard. You know, not too many. You know, when you're doing radio, which primarily you know podcasting is. You know, it's great radio, but to be able to turn that into a stage comedy show and hold an atten- you know, an audience's attention for any amount of time, 20 minutes to two hours, is quite the feat. Uh, but they end up doing it. It is amazing. So, no, I think that's going to be uh, a great kickoff, um, you know, to our run, a great kickoff to the season. And, uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited to uh, to see that taking place. All right, Sean, let's get to some nitty-gritty stuff here. Um, with the the situation being the way it is, you know, it, with not having like a, a fan f- fest uh, activity in a lot of the stadiums, not having fans in the pits, some of the smaller sponsors probably have, you know, they struggle to get their brand out there. The, if they're going to go sponsor a privateer, like let's say an SGB Kawasaki, uh, Alex Ray, you know, Rod Bell, a team like that, let's say a guy, a team, a sponsor wants to get their brand out. But it's very difficult at Supercross if the fans aren't in the pits, walking around, seeing these riders. They don't generally get a lot of TV time. Um, is there anything that you guys have been discussing to try to help that? You know, like Blood Lubricants is one of our sponsors, and I know they they sponsor uh, a lot of riders. They've Winterstrom in the past, a bunch of other guys. He's got a long list of guys. But how do you guys help a smaller? business like that make sure they get some exposure for their interest in sponsoring a team or a rider 
Well, we work, uh, you know, sponsorship has obviously been a key question uh, coming up quite a bit. You know, what a lot of folks really, you know, probably don't know is how much we actually do help uh, smaller teams as well as factory-level teams Mm -hmm. as well uh, with different partnerships. Uh, But obviously, you know, there's a lot of partners that we have uh, as well, and, and you're absolutely right. You know, once you start... Well, once you start constricting, you know, the number of states that we're going to, uh, that's one thing. Uh, But then you start restricting, you know, fans in another. uh, It does. It makes it very difficult. Um, But, you know, I will say that, you know, all of our partners have been very understanding. Uh, We've gone, you know, above and beyond and have gotten very, very creative as I'm sure you have and Shand and, you know, everybody has, you know, had to dig a little deep and get creative with things and bring more value to all of their partners. Uh, So I think that, you know, this pandemic and, you know, it's forced us all to really reevaluate things. And I think that a lot of different, you know, creative ideas have, um, have have blossomed from that. But, yeah, to your point, it's not going to be uh, the traditional, you know, we, you know, <laughs> going into Daytona, you know, we're averaging 20,000 fans at FanFest. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, you know, and you think about that. Think of a sold-out concert. Who's your favorite band? Come on. Great White. Great White. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, back in the day, you know, an arena show, I mean, my goodness, 20,000 fans, uh, that's a sold-out show. Uh, a home NBA game, a home uh, ice hockey game. That's a right. sold-out crowd. Sure. So FanFest uh, is going to, you know, look a little bit different. You know, inside the stadium is obviously going to look a little bit different. Um, if anybody's been watching, you know, NFL games, uh, man, just seeing people in the stands is a positive thing, though. Yeah, um, agreed. So, so across the board, you know, we're looking at, and with most of the stadiums that we have on the schedule, we are working with a 25% uh, capacity. You know, our hope and our goal is that that increases, um, not only as we, you know, obviously get closer to the beginning of the season, but as we work through the season. Um So we are fortunate in Houston. We've got a very expansive footprint. Uh, So we do plan on having FanFest at all three rounds. Uh, You know, you asked earlier, you know, what are the most difficult things? Well, try to reimagine FanFest that you can, you know, keep everybody safe, be socially distant, uh, but also provide – an awesome Supercross experience that our fans are used to, but also be able to give visibility to your question to all of the great partners that not only we have, but also all of you know the teams and athletes and privateers have as well. So that is a very complex Rubik's Cube. Yep. <laughs> that, you know, I hope that, um, well, I think, you know, we, we've got a pretty solid plan going in, but I think that, you know, after the first round in Houston, we'll be reimagining and making tweaks on, Good point. you know, round two and round three and, and moving forward. You know, our yeah. goal is always to learn and do better. Uh, we're always looking at and reexamining ourselves to, to, to make things better. So, 
we'll definitely be learning uh, as we get set up and on ground and, you know, tweaking as we go. Good point, yeah. Sean, I, this is Shan. I've got two questions for you. Um, one, regarding the Fan Fest at Houston, are, are the fans going to be channeled in one direction, lanes up and down the aisles, um, kind of like they do at Walmart, or, or is it going to be free-flowing wherever they want to go? Uh, it, 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 we will have lanes. Okay. Yes, we will so, have lanes. So, yep. Okay, that takes care of one question. The second question I have is you mentioned there's three rounds that are to be determined, unannounced rounds of, of the city locations. What is the likelihood or probability, or could it even happen, if Feld gets into a jam and you can't secure the cities of bringing it back to Dallas and or Houston again for a for a you know a seventh or eighth round in Texas? Man, you guys would love that, wouldn't you? Just <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not right. trying to be too greedy or anything, but you know, right? I am. Bring I, it. Hey, it I, wasn't enough. <laughs> it wasn't enough. I want the whole series in Texas. Yeah. I want Weej and Mathis out. Well, I just, I just thought, you know, if you've got three rounds that you, you just, if it comes all the way down to the wire and you can't secure anything, and and Houston, you've proven to Houston, to the folks at Houston, you proved the folks in Dallas County. Uh, or Tarrant County or wherever Arlington is. I guess Arlington's Tarrant County. Yeah. Um, so. You know, what is the likelihood of that? Could that could that be a possibility? That is absolutely a possibility. Uh, and, you know, let me just let me just say a couple different things here. Uh, number one, and I, I don't know if we hit on this yet, but tickets are on sale for everybody. So yeah. today is a very exciting day uh, for Supercross. Uh, for all of us, it failed. Um, boy, to be just in a position that we're in right now, that we're even talking about tickets being on sale, is just a huge win for all of us. Sure. Uh, so want to make sure that we that we put that out there. Uh, we had a pre-sale that started last week and ran, you know, throughout this this whole week. But right now, uh, the tickets are open for all six rounds: Houston and Indianapolis. Uh, Arlington will be coming online here shortly. Um, so there's that. Even that we have tickets on sale, guys, this is it, it, it's huge. And we have come from a very dark uh, March. Yeah. <laughs> and holy cow, you think about where we were, you know, sitting in Indianapolis and being at the front of all of this. So let me just say that, how excited I am. And, you know, I can speak on behalf of everybody at Feld Entertainment, number one, uh, but also everybody that works on the, you know, on Supercross, that this is a big, big deal for us, and that we hope, you know, we really hope that, you know, the fans support uh, and come out, and they like the idea of having six rounds in Texas. Uh, you know, Super Tuesday races, uh, I think, are going to be very unique. We had you know, as Ralph called it, the Wednesday, the Wednesday wonder, and uh, <laughs> right. it's Salt Lake City. You know, now we're going to have the Super Tuesday, yeah. uh, whatever that might be. So, you know, we're trying new things, uh, but I think a weekday race. You know, now with uh, inviting fans back, I think it's going to be a very neat uh, and unique experience. Um, it's going to be cool. But to your point, you know, yes, we are fortunate that we have great partners. So for every plan, you have to have four additional plans at <laughs> least. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and another thing, you know, as happy as we are going to Texas, you know, we're equally as sad that we are not going to be able to, to get to California. 
Uh, and not that that's not an impossibility. Uh, we are sort of a, in a wait-and-see you know, pattern that's, you know, we hope that things end up getting better. Uh, but it's very, very difficult. Uh, I don't need to tell you guys that. Uh, the state of California right now, so venues obviously of, you know, NFL and Major League Baseball size, you know, they're, they're not even looking at dates or, you know, talking any kind of business. Now, that's not to say that we have not talked with them and that we don't have some scenarios uh, in case something, you know, does change and things get better. Um, you know, there's a couple different um, scenarios that I've seen that I think the fans are going to absolutely love. Uh, I'm one, very excited about it, uh, but I don't think that there's, uh, no matter which way we end up going, um, I think the fans are going to love it. So to your point, if, you know, everybody else shut down, right. <laughs> Texas was the only other, you know, remaining uh you know, place to go. I know that, yeah, we've got great relationships throughout Texas, and, yeah, we would absolutely, you know, come back uh, in a heartbeat. So, you know, <laughs> still, a lot of, uh, still a lot of hurdles that we need to get through. Sure. But, yeah, of course that is definitely uh, an option. Well, that was, a, that was definitely a greedy question. But yeah. I, I, I fully, fully, fully hope and wish you all the success to get into the other major markets for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One the only positive that I'm seeing out of all this, like lack of fan or less fans and maybe less people in the pits, is guys like Shan and Rob have way better chance with the Monster Girls. They really do, don't they? <laughs> There's a lot I less, mean, the, lot less quantity to pick from. That's right. It's always well, upside. But but we might have to do twelve feet of social distancing <laughs> rather than six. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, COVID's oh. not the only disease when you get around yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Sean, I want to touch on something that you guys implemented last year at Salt Lake City, and then uh, Jason Wygant really pushed for with the Nationals, and it was the Zoom press conferences. Yep. Those things were so amazing because a guy like me, you know, maybe did four or five Supercrosses a year, but I was able to be involved with every press conference that I was home for, basically. Yep. Uh, and it worked out. I, you know, I did one national, but I think I did almost all the press conferences. Yep. Uh, I think that was a fantastic move. I hope that's something, even if we go back to normal, you guys continue to implement because I think it was really a great way to go. Well, I appreciate that, and you're 100% correct. Um, and, yes, we absolutely will be doing a lot of different things virtually. Uh, you know, our number one goal this season is to keep our athletes safe. Yep. Um, I don't think that's, you know, news to anybody. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you're seeing some cases, uh, you know, as good as the NFL has been. Uh, you're seeing cases there. We've seen, you know, racers uh, in MXGP, you know. So we're all going to have to be, you know, diligent. We're all going to have to be responsible uh, and we're all going to have to realize that, you know, we have to get through a very long season. So I tried um, with everything in me to – I really wanted to come out blasting with a in-person uh, press conference for the opener. Yeah. Uh, it's only fitting uh, that we do that. It is the opener of our season, and there's just so much to talk about and so much anticipation. Um 
and then seeing all the athletes, you know, new gear, new bikes, new teams, I mean, just all of that, you know, is just such a, a visual uh, that it, it, it's, you know, amazing. It just, you know, adds to the excitement of, of the opening round. Um, but, you know, as we get closer, it, it, it wouldn't be consistent if, you know, we're putting in all this safety protocol and then asking everybody to get in a small room. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. And let's all, you know, get together yeah. and, you know, have a press conference. So right. to your to your point, uh, yeah, we sort of uh, were, you know, on the front lines of pioneering those, uh, and we'll certainly be bringing them back for uh, not only pre-event uh, post-conferences, but we'll also be doing post-race press conferences via Zoom, and then we'll have midweek stuff as well. So right, we've got yeah. a calendar built out, and <laughs> I've got some ideas uh, on introducing uh, a few other, mm, how do I say it? I don't want to reveal it yet, okay. but, you know, personalities around the sport that we typically don't have access to. But being that we are all in the same city for an extended period of time and everybody knows how to use Zoom now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's much easier to uh to implement. So yeah, Agreed. I'm excited about some of the new ideas that uh that we came up with and you're absolutely right. And you know, in addition to that, we had routinely um you know, media reps from from Australia that were able to join us. Yeah, uh, yep. from the UK that was able to join us. Um, Spain on a couple occasions. Italy, France. So being able to do these things, you know, virtually just really opens up, uh, you know, the audience as well. Where yeah, it's going to be early in some markets uh, and or maybe late in others, but. Boy, the access uh, that we have with being able to do these things virtually is really unprecedented. Totally agree, uh, but I'm excited about it, and I appreciate you guys doing it. Um, I got two more quick questions. We got to let you go. Justin Bogle's coming up. Um, track builds. We're gonna see. Do you have any idea what we're gonna see from Saturday to Tuesday? Like multiple change directions, complete track changes. Uh, Kind of basically, I would assume, like Salt Lake City, just minor changes? So in between Saturday and Tuesday, yeah, if, if you've looked at, uh, you know, the track maps that we've put out, you know, there are some differences uh, between those two. But obviously we'll have a lot more creativity and time in between rounds two and three. Right. So really excited about, you know, such – a difference between obviously Saturday and Saturday, but even Tuesday and Saturday. Uh, but the goal is always to, you know, one, make a safe, safe track, but make a challenging track uh, that allows, you know, great racing. So, yeah, you know, the more days we have in between racing, obviously the more that we are able to do. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would just encourage listeners to go and grab – uh, those track maps and uh, that are up on Supercross Live, um, you know, to really see the differences right. between those different tracks. Okay, last question. This is the big one. This is the most important question of the night. Right. Uh, I believe you're a, a DLR Van Halen guy, correct? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. Okay. 
So we know Mathis is Hagar, and I got to admit, I'm a Hagar guy myself. But what? Why is DLR your guy over Hagar? <laughs> well, well, let me let me let me just first say that I am a Sammy Hagar fan. Right. Okay. Uh, I was a fan of Sammy when he was singing for Montrose. Oh yeah. So, you know, it's such an interesting thing if you dive into the history. You know, Ted Templeman is the you know common denominator there. Produced both Montrose as well as Van Halen, and. You know, very early on, he even that you know that idea even popped into his head because he was already familiar with how great of a singer uh, Sammy was. But after seeing Van Halen for the first time, and then getting them into the studio and really, really finding out what a quick wit and what a great lyricist and a rock lyricist that David Lee Roth was, you know, Ted Templeman, you know, said, man, there's no way I would ever change a thing. So, you know, to me, um, my goodness, David Lee Roth, (laughs) uh, he just personified fun. And I think that's that's important, and you can take that word in a lot of different ways. Um, Obviously, you know, party band and party and whatever fun means to you. That might just be an acoustic guitar underneath a palm tree on a beach. But, you know, there is so much dark in this world. And the thing that, and I can appreciate a lot of the grunge movement that came after um, there's a lot of great bands that, you know, were part of that, but I never understood the darkness and that this is just me. I never understood the darkness. And I think it's because of my love and appreciation for Van Halen, because everything they did was about fun and we're not taking this too seriously. And, you know, some nights we're going to make mistakes. Uh, some nights we're going to, you know, absolutely, you know, maybe butcher something. Uh, Some nights we're going to be 100%, you know, a masterpiece of a show, but it's not going to matter. It's so much about attitude and just so much about just fun. And I just love the light about that. I love the positivity about that. Um, You know, you hear David Lee Roth, you know, uh, so many memorable quotes, but... (laughs) You, you know, just this is a typical Tuesday. You know, yeah. this is how these guys lived. Right. Um, and I think that, my goodness, when you see Eddie Van Halen, have you ever seen any picture, any picture of him without a smile on his face? Don't think I have. Nope. Not ever. Not ever. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, those guys personified and, you know, they never, ever, ever took themselves too seriously. You know, they're selling millions of records. They are selling out everywhere they go. Um, You know, there's a reason why they were, you know, referred to as the mighty Van Halen. But, man, they never, ever took themselves too seriously. That's a very rare, um, very rare thing. You know? Yeah, very, very good point. Way to wrap it up. Uh, I'm going to have to, after we're done recording, I'm going to have to go listen to some DLR. 
<laughs> Your mic's not recording again. Did it get bu- the switch get bumped? Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to finish this up. Uh, Sean, I'm gonna have to let you go. I got Justin Bogle waiting, but I appreciate your time, and I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you in Houston. Guys, appreciate all of you, and uh, looking forward to coming to Houston. I'm going to leave you with a song. (laughs) Check it out. Uh, It's on Van Halen, Fair Warning, but Push Comes to Shove. Good one. And that song right there, you know, you can just picture it just gives you such a visual of David Lee Roth and the guys and just sitting around, you know, what do you guys want to do tonight? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Sean. We will see you guys soon, man. Thank right, you buddy. so Thanks, much. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Thank you. All right, see ya. All right, that's Sean Brandon. We're going to take a quick break. Bogle is uh, waiting, and we'll be right back. We all know engine oil is the lifeblood of our machines. That's why you need blood lubricants for the highest level of performance and protection. Manufactured here in the USA and designed to handle the heat and humidity. Blood lubricant oil lines such as Pro Elite Series, Pro Series, and the new Scorpion Blood will exceed all your needs. Whether you race moto, sprint cars, side-by-sides, or anything else, Blood Lubricants has you protected. Tests have shown that engines can run up to 30 degrees cooler while using blood. Just ask Chris Kiefer. DJ TJ and I trust Blood Lubricants and our machines so you can too. Go to bloodlubricants.com to order today. Don't forget to check out their Chain Lube, Two Stroke Premix, PolyClean, and many other products. Use promo code MOTOX to support the Moto X Pod Show. Scotty T here from the Moto X Pod Show with another fantastic product from Burn Motorsports. It's Shock Socks, the number one 10 second removable fork seal protector. No one likes having leaky fork seals. With Shock Socks, you can protect your fork seals from the crap at the track in a matter of 10 seconds. Fork seals can be expensive and take away from your ride time, so fight the crime of grit and grime with Shock Socks. Check your local dealer or go to the BurrMotorsports.com webpage. Also, follow them on Facebook and Instagram. So go out and make sure to get your pair of Shock Socks today. If you're anything like me, you remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, all the cool custom-painted helmets that you'd see on Supercross. Jeremy McGrath, Jeff Emig, Damon Bradshaw, all the top riders had custom-painted helmets tricked out, and I was super jealous. I could never afford to get one done. Now there's an option, extreme colors. When you're rolling up to the line with a custom-painted helmet, it's one of the coolest feelings you can have. Kirk Hunter has been painting helmets since 1998, and his price is still the same. $295 gets you a professional professional, one-of-a-kind paint job on your lid. Just contact Kirk at xkhelmetpainting at gmail.com or go to motoxpodshow.com and check out the contact links. Now you too can have a custom painted helmet just like Jeremy McGrath and be the envy of all your friends at a reasonable price. Follow him on Instagram at x-t-r-e-m-e-k-o-l-o-r-s extreme colors. Let them know the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Okay. All right, guys, we're back with our uh, second guest of the night. He is brought to you by Shock Socks, which are the original and number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. No one likes replacing leaky fork seals, so ask your local dealer or go to burnmotorsports.com and follow them on Instagram and Facebook as well. Tonight, Shock Socks brings us from Rocky Mountain KTM MC, uh, Justin Bogle, back with the team. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Excited to be here. Yeah, dude, um, last year, uh, probably a year, or this year, actually, 2020, probably a year that you would like to just delete, if you could. Yeah, I think uh, 
kind of been a year like that for a lot of us. But yeah, true. Uh, as far as as far as my career goes, and uh, I've had a few of those, so that one definitely ranks up there with with the the best of them for sure. Uh, as far as you know, difficulty, but um, this is one of those moments where I feel like I'm going to uh, be very thankful for it here in the uh, near future. Just what I learned and the perspective that I gained. I never really had that before. So uh, being hurt before, I never really went through it the way I went through it this time. So uh, I feel like I, I learned a lot about myself, and uh, that's not going to hurt, you know, moving forward. True, yeah. As long as you can take those bad moments and learn something from it and apply that to what's to come, uh, that that's a big step in the right direction. Um, I want to – I hate to dwell on it a little bit, but uh, – you had some concussion issues that seemed, from the, the what I would read, pretty scary. Like, you guys really weren't real sure what was going on, it sounds like. Um, what was that time like? What was that process like? Was there ever a moment where you thought, man, I, I may need to step away? How bad was it? Yeah, I think, honestly, I think I had been struggling before I even had that crash. Um, I just... I'm not sure what the problem was, you know, I don't want to say burnout, but it was, you know, getting to that point. And when I woke up, uh, you know, I've had, a, I've had my fair share of injuries and a lot of, you know, just, just difficult things to, to deal with throughout my career, which is just part of the game. It just, you know, some people have to uh, deal with it more often than others, but yeah. you know, situations I put myself in. So uh, it's never anyone else's fault, but I woke up, laying there on the ground and I was just like, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and, I think we've uh, all been there. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I, I've never really done that. You know, I, I broke my back and I was knocked out and I did all this stuff before Supercross in 2014. So this yep. would have been in like December of 2013. And, and as soon as I woke up, I was just, I was pissed because I was like, you know, I was planning on winning the championship that year. Sure. Um, so I woke up and immediately I was like trying to figure it out where, this last time, I, it, it was very different. I'd never experienced that myself before. So it was definitely a weird time. Um, I think it was really good for me. I spent four or five months completely out of all of this. I wasn't really training. I wasn't riding, obviously. I wasn't doing anything. I was just uh, living life, you yeah. know, being normal. And I, I realized I don't really like that, by the way. I realized that I... <laughs> That's Very good. Much so oh, enjoy my job. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I think, you know, Jerry Martin's talked a lot about that too, right? The time off, going to work at a dealership for a little while and realizing, you know what? I'm really thankful for what I've had. And, and that's, that's not a bad thing for a guy and a professional athlete to maybe have six months, a year to say, oh, wow, refocus. Best thing that, that could have happened for me in my career, um, if you want my honest opinion on it, um, I... I, uh, yeah, I realized that whether I'm racing or doing this for a living or not, I'm going to ride and I'm going to, you know, if, if I'm not riding, I'm going to be involved in the sport yeah. one fashion or another. So I realized, I think I realized a lot about, you know, who I am and, and you know, what I am and what I'm going to do. So, um, it was really good for me, um, as tough as it was and as much of a struggle as it was and as much as I really went through, you know, my, the, the normal things you go through, the depression and all that stuff when you're kind of losing what you're doing and losing yourself and you're hurt and all that. Um, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for it. You know, not not in like a corny, overly optimistic way. No, no. 
I literally learned so much about myself and what I want to do and who I want to be. So, Dude, I'm glad yeah. to hear that. Blessing in disguise. Because uh, I want to get into a couple things about that, um, but I, I want to also touch on not only were you – recovering from these injuries and, you know, trying to get back in. And when Nationals come along, round one, I see you, and you lose your car keys. Like, it's just one thing after another, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, anyone who knows me will will say that that has nothing to do with luck. That's okay. just me being an idiot. Okay. I do that quite often. <laughs> there was a Supercross race a, a couple years ago that I, I literally couldn't find the keys when I was getting out of the car, and I just was like, well, shit, it is what it is, I guess. I got to go. Yeah. So, they just stayed in the car the whole night, and then I found them after the race. So luckily, nobody knew about it. But uh, <laughs> well, I, I yeah, saw no. I saw you there at Loretta, so I had to blow you out a little bit. But um, okay, so serious business. You just talked about uh, the injuries, rethinking things, wanting to you know, knowing this is what you want to do. Uh, a guy in your position, like you're clearly capable of winning, but you're not a guy that you know you're not put on the Eli Tomac Cooper Webb. Uh, level as of yet based off results so then you have guys like myself or Mathis or you know people in the media and keyboard warriors or just the the fair weather fans who are like oh why does a guy like Justin Bogle even have a ride which is utterly ridiculous I mean anybody that's making a night show is one of the baddest dudes on a motorcycle on the planet but does that ever that attitude you hear from fans or whatever ever weigh on you at all or do you not care about that kind of stuff because as a human it's hard to not take negative comments even you know if you're not a, su- uh, a superstar athlete just a general person doesn't like to hear that but a guy like yourself probably hears shit talking all the time yeah i mean at this stage of my life it does not affect me but i'm a grown-ass man and i've <laughs> been through a lot of stuff you know so i've proven to myself that i'm not a jump over and over again, so I'm not really that concerned with it, but yeah, as a human being, obviously that stuff's you know, difficult to hear whenever people are saying stuff and you're like really going through it, you know, when everything's good, it doesn't matter, but yeah. you know, when you're, when you're struggling and stuff, it, it's tough, but at the same, in the same breath though, I, like I understand it, and I know that people in this day and age with social media, they just love to talk, and they don't necessarily have to mean what they say but they love to talk. Everybody wants to be heard, even if that means screaming, you know, vile stuff on the internet like an idiot. But most of the people that are going to say negative things are probably very unhappy themselves. So Exactly. They're, neg- um, they're negative that's people. That's human being stuff, though. You know, like, you know, I mean, dude, hurt people hurt people. You know what I mean? Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're, probably, they're probably not happy with themselves. 100% you know, correct. At the end of the day, I understand them being upset because I haven't got those results. Yes, I have won a Supercross title. I've won a 450 national. Like, I know the list of those are, isn't that long. Yep. But my results haven't consistently been where they should be. So I get it. And I'm living my dream that I've always wanted to do. Um, I was a little kid, and a lot of people don't get to do that. So I, I understand the animosity. And I understand why people are going to talk shit. But um, like I said, at this stage of my life, um, I'm a grown man, so right, it right. is what it is. No, no, think, none of them would ever say it to my face. Yeah, that's a hundred percent true. You got something, Shan? Yeah. Hey, Justin, I don't know if you remember me. I'm Shan Garcia. I used to announce a lot of your races when you're an amateur coming uh-huh. down. Uh-huh. Yep. Coming down from uh, Oklahoma, and uh, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. You've been doing this since you were a kid. You've 
put in your time, you put in your effort. And I will say this, you are optimistic, and I love hearing what you just told Jamie about how optimistic and how positive you are. You know, you've got the rest of your life to, to, to get a real job, so to speak, and work the rest of your life. So if you, if you take some time off from injury and recollect your thoughts, Sometimes that's the absolute best thing to ever happen to racers, period. They come back completely recharged, a whole new fresh outlook. It sounds like you've kind of got all your T's crossed and your I's dotted, so to speak, and I love hearing it because I was one of the guys that was a huge Justin Bogle fan at Oak Hill, let's just say up in the tower, watching you on a KX85 with your bright orange helmet your parents let you wear or made you wear. And uh, it's just been cool to watch your – it's been cool to watch your career – uh, I can remember being at the Guthrie Arena Cross a couple of times when you're on 80s and you had the orange helmet. And um, I love I love your storied career. I love what you've done, and I don't think it's over with for you yet. And I just I just want to say that a boy because the optimism uh, that you have is is a very positive. It's great to hear. I really appreciate that, man. That uh, that means a lot. So hey. A lot of us know that you're into music, you rap, uh, you've done a lot of... I, I, have you done, like, a full album, or are you just doing demo stuff? What's what's that been like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've put some stuff out. Okay. Um, it's obviously, like, it's a hobby that I, I enjoy doing, and especially, you know, unfortunately, I've had a lot of off time in my career, so I need something to keep my mind occupied and keep me focused on something, because the way that we're all wired, you know, we're... We, uh, you know, I spent my whole life working all day long for something, and then when you can't do it, you need something. So, yeah, I mean, I, I make music in, in my spare time. I have a lot of fun with it. Brad Frace, yep. another uh, Texas legend, you know, he's uh, yep. made all of my stuff with me. So it's you and Brad Frace, and it's um, and it's uh, Austin uh, Bryant, right? It's uh, Gina Bryant's son. Really, uh, yeah, Austin Austin Cox. Yeah, he, yes. uh, he's. He's a he's a good friend of ours too. He doesn't make music, but he's he's always around, so it's cool. Um, yeah, mostly in the last few years, it's just been me and Brad making stuff. Just you know, just having fun. I've been like I said, having a lot of free time. Yeah, it's something productive that I can do and, and be creative, which I think is good for the good for the soul as well. Well, that's why the reason I brought it up was you were, you know talking about the hard time, the difficult time in this last year, and to have that other outlet. A lot of people who are musicians, that's, you know, you go in the studio and you forget, you can get your, you can kind of get your emotions or your problems off your chest in a song, in lyrics or, you know, whatever. And I would assume, you know, you go in the studio and record something, you probably feel a lot better when you're done. Oh, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> honestly, it, it, you can create something, you know, potentially very cool out of a period of time that's kind of painful. So that's, well, yeah. that's a really cool aspect of it for me, but obviously having difficulty everybody has problems in their life so just having an outlet to you know try to make something good out of maybe some bad situations is, sure it's, it's very fun you know it's rewarding too i mean that's how every country singer became millionaires <laughs> right well i would say the, the best music comes from tortured artists yeah from your heart you know, right yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah pain pain best, love best struggle music, best painting best any of that you yeah. know it's, it's all from from painful stuff that's and, and honestly, <laughs> the best stories in anything, sports, sure, whatever, right. it's, it's about overcoming something. And, it, you know, America loves a comeback story. So, uh, I mean, it's it's all kind of intertwined for me. You know, I'm, I'm not on there talking about dirt bikes and whatnot, but <laughs> that is my life. Yeah, so, yeah. 
as far as making music that's relatable to anyone that wants to listen. Like, obviously, not a lot of people probably even listen to it, but if you want to, it's it's more about, you know, just life stuff, so you can relate to it if you listen to it. Absolutely. So, Justin, i got a couple more questions I want to get to before I let you go. I want to touch on getting back with Rocky Mountain. Uh, you know, you you were out at one point, I think. You were back. Uh, then, you know, obviously, I think Benny filled in for you. I, mean, I can't even remember. It's been so convoluted the way the team's been. Um, a little bit of drama, though, with the team this year. Uh, obviously, Blake's no longer there. Uh, there's rumors all over the place. I don't expect you to get into any of that, uh, I mean, unless you want to. But... How does it feel? Is it? Are you happy being back with a team that you're comfortable with, even though you know Derek Rankin, aka Jericho, bailed on you? But is it still comfortable? Does it make you feel relaxed a little bit to be back on that same team where you kind of know the situation? Well, first off, this isn't the first time that Derek bailed on me, so uh, that's he's, okay. Yeah, you he's done that to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was very happy for him to have a good landing spot. Yeah. To, you know, be able to continue on uh, doing what he does best, which he's obviously a good friend of mine. We, I mean, we talk almost every day. So uh, I love that guy, even though I won't say it to his face. But um, <laughs> being, being at this team, man, at the risk of once again sounding corny and cliche, I am so, so thankful. I have such a good relationship with all these guys. And even though, you know, there's moving parts constantly with any business or a team or whatever it is. Burner, I have a great relationship with Burner. He's an awesome, awesome team manager, and he's been there and done it, and he can kind of relate because he's, he went through the same type of things I went through, a lot of injuries, you know, a lot of potential, but some injuries. So trying to help me get over that that hump there and, and still realize what I feel like I'm capable of is a very, very cool thing. And Forrest Butler clearly believes in me, you know, and that means, a lot because you know not everybody's going to so Forrest giving me another chance and he's you know optimistic about the future and I I love that um, my mechanic uh, Cody here we we spend a lot of time because he lives in Oklahoma City and we're at the track together every day and um, I'm just very very comfortable I think anyone on the team would tell you that I I really enjoy these guys and I really enjoy the environment. And, uh, yeah, being my third year there, yeah. I'm extremely comfortable with those guys. I'm really comfortable with the bike. Like, all of that, it's all starting to come around, you know? It's, Glad to hear it's it. It's good. And, and obviously, I'm not going to get into all the other stuff. Sure. I had a great two years being teammates with Blake. Uh, nothing but love for him and his family. They were fun to be around for sure. So, um, that being said, Joey, me and Joey get along really well. We've known each other our whole lives. So, uh, I, I think we're in for a, for a good year. and. It's going to just be enjoyable, you know? We'll have, you know, having some, uh, really just having friends that you work with. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, that team always seemed that way to me. I, I, I kind of, the first people I really got to know at the team besides Blake was uh, Jericho and Austin, you know, who, you know, wrenched for Baggett. Yep. Those guys kind of became my connection with the team. And it always seemed, at least with those, especially Austin and Jericho, like, they were just having a good time. They were best friends, basically, getting to travel the country together and do, you know, work professional motocross and supercross. And it was it was really a lot of fun to come visit under that tent. And, of course, you always got Jason Thomas around, and I love JT. So I, I think it's good for you. I'm really stoked that you're back, and I, I, I just hope to see you really show those keyboard warriors, quote-unquote, that you do 
deserve to still have that ride. I think you have all the ability in the world. It's going to be a fantastic 21 season. So I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I got one more question about Jericho uh, before we let you go. Uh, look, we know he's a metalhead. He's WWE fanatic. You're, you know, a rapper. You guys seem very different. But what was it about Jericho that you bonded with? What was, what was like, what was the connection? Honestly, it's just him as a person. He's a really, really good person. And when I first started working with him, you, you don't have that relationship, but he is the type that would, you know, show up early and stay late. And that, I really respected that. So uh, he respected how much I was putting into it as well. And, and obviously seeing the potential, he knows he knew what I was capable of doing as well. So we had just mutual respect. And then that ended up turning into a friendship. And, you know, you're not always that lucky to end up not just a mechanic, but a team that you gel with and you really get along with and, and the vibe is good in the, in the truck. It doesn't always happen. So sure. that's something definitely that I will not be taking for granted because uh, it, it makes this circus that we're a part of so much more enjoyable. It makes that all that work, you know, a lot more fun. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, the 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 rock star husky teams that way too the, like dino ja and zacco get along so well that like i've been in that truck where they're joking around and and, and it's just like wow i could hang out with these guys all day and i kind of feel that way at your truck in the past and hopefully like i said i don't know joey very well you know i've talked to you a few times but i'm i think it's it's definitely good for you guys as riders to have that uh, so, uh, again, congratulations on that, Shan. I think you had one more thing before we let him go. Yeah, Justin, this is Shan again. I just had a quick question. We talked about a lot of this pro stuff going on in your pro career. Let's rewind to your amateur days. Um, what was your favorite track to come to Texas and race at against, you know, the Whartons and Taryn O'Dell and Brad Frace and just all those all those guys? Y'all were, y'all were such a phenomenal class, Hackley, Hans. You were a part of that whole generation. So what, much uh, talent. Yeah, so much talent, and you were right there in the thick of it. What was your favorite track? And give us maybe one of your favorite memories of racing racing in Texas and against maybe who that who, who that might have been. Well, in, in all reality, my era growing up, we, we had pretty much everyone that was good all made it to that next level. And that is a really cool thing. I spent so many weekends getting out of school, my dad picking me up and just, going as fast as we could to get down to Texas for <laughs> in your orange uh, helmet. You know, Pro Circuit Series races and, and things like that. I, I really loved Lake Whitney. Obviously a lot of us did. Yeah. That was one of the best tracks ever. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of good memories, man. Once me and Brad Frace have been really, really good friends since he moved to Texas at I think we were around twelve years old. So we ended up just battling super hard and ended up, you know, just hanging out and it turned into really good friends. So it was one of those things that growing up, man, I, every, the reason why I got good is because every time I raced, I was going to the race, like, damn it, I'm going to have to race <laughs> with these dudes. There's no yeah. off weekend. Yeah. Like, I was racing Colt Nichols, Brad's race, Bo Hudson, like all of this group of guys, especially when we'd go to Texas, like between us, really, we, man, we had some insane battles. So. It was crazy. It was dogfights when you're on 80s. It was and 125s. It was yeah. schoolboy and then 250s. It was insane watching all of you race. I got I got one other quick question for you. Um, do you have one of those orange helmets sitting in your dad's garage <laughs> or in the shop? Or please tell me, as a kid, you saved one of those orange helmets? Oh, I got about you know 10 or 15 of those things. That's all I wore up until uh, I think I was about 
about 14 or 15. So, yep. Yep. yeah, and then I, I got quite a few of those. And I actually had one that I raced uh, the Trans Slam with in 2012, just as like a, you know, like a, oh, this is a pass kind of thing. It was pretty fun. So my dad has that at, in the house still. So, uh, from yeah, an, man, I definitely have quite a few of those. From an announcer standpoint, it was awesome because I realized the orange helmet was probably from a safety standpoint. Your parents could keep an eye on you out <laughs> on the track and know where the orange helmet was. From an announcer standpoint, I probably announced your name. Even if you were in seventh place, let's just say on any given day, I probably announced your name 30 times more than I did the dude leading if it was Blake Wharton because you got the orange helmet on. It was easy to spot your ass out there on the track. Well, that was one of the big things, too. I don't think my dad gets enough credit for being a marketing genius without even realizing it. <laughs> well, tell him old Shan Garcia remembers y'all big time because of that. <laughs> he was yeah, a marketing yeah, genius. He on that thing. When, I, when I hear your name, I, the only thing, not the only thing, the first thing I think of is a little kid out of Cushing's, Oklahoma, with the yeah. orange helmet. You know, it didn't matter where you oh, went, yeah. orange helmet, you know. Well, Justin, hey, man, I know you're busy. I know you're probably ready to chill out. It's uh, 7.30 Central Time. Thank you for having some time for us. Uh, I don't know if you remember, we're down here in, we're in East Texas. We're not far from you. We will see you in Houston, um, and we look forward to it, man. Good luck this season, and can't wait to see what you got. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Absolutely, Justin. Justin. Take care, bud. All right, see ya. All right, thanks again to Justin Bogle. Uh, quick commercial break. Well, actually, I, I want to do this giveaway. Um, what are okay. you giving away there, Mr. We, Jamie? We are going to give away a set of Acherby's X-Future handguards, thanks to Brian Fullerton at Acherby's. Uh, just uh, email us, motoxpodshow at gmail.com, and tell us why you deserve or why you want a set of these uh, handguards, and tell us why Acherby's is the best plastic on the planet, and we'll pick a winner in two weeks yeah two weeks so you guys don't let me forget because i probably will but other than that commercial break we'll be back right <laughs> we will be right back with Curran thurman if you want power then you need williams moto works wait, wait what what was that it's the supercross guy voice no no it's not it sounds more like a hulk hogan promo well that's good and tough i like that dude we aren't making a redneck commercial for a professional company like williams moto works he designs camshafts, builds performance motors with CNC porting. So it needs to be tough and cool. A company who can reprogram ECUs, hire rev limits, and custom maps needs a professional commercial, dude. So, like, if you want complete power package from cams, portings, transmissions to ECUs, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 or follow them on Instagram at camdesigner. Or you can even email them at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams Moto and then W E R X at gmail.com. Okay, that's better. Not good, but better. Fly Racing is back on board with the Moto X Pod Show for 2021. What can we say that you don't already know? In 2020, Fly revolutionized the helmet game with the Formula Helmet. For 2021, they brought us the Formula CC with the same Rion technology and a tri-weave composite shell at a fantastic price point. Fly Racing also released the new light pant with a boa in the front. 
Visit flyracing.com to see everything Fly Racing has to offer from the moto, street, BMX, water, and even mountain bike lines. Once you try Fly Racing, you'll see why riders like the 2020 motocross national champion Zach Osborne, as well as Blake Baggett, gold medalist Connor Fields, and even the beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw, trust Fly Racing. There simply is no better. What's up, guys? This is the 7 Juice Trade out of Entercamp. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbeastUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Moto X Pajo sent you. All right, we're back with our next guest of the night. He is brought to you by Berm Lords Graphics and Jersey ID at Berm Lords on Instagram, graphics at bermlords.com if you want to order the most bitchin' set of graphics you've ever got. And trust me, you don't have to have your front fender covered in graphics like I did. That's not like a standard for Berm Lords. They, they weren't even happy about printing my graphics. They, so, guys, if you need a new set of graphics or you need jerseys done, hit up Berm Lords. Shan will take care of you. Or actually, Adam Montoya will. Shan will just sit in the back and tell him he's doing it wrong. But anyway, <laughs> Berm Lords tonight brings us Texas's own Curran Thurman. What's up, dude? Oh, not too much, Dark. Uh, thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're, uh, I'm sure, just like you, we're very excited for what's coming in about a month, man. Multiple rounds of Supercross in Houston, freaking Texas. Man, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I might be. A, I, you know what? I don't know if I'm more excited. We might all be the same excited because I've never raced a, you know, a actual Supercross in in Houston yet, and that's kind of like my home city. I love. Yeah, I live about 30, 35 minutes south of the actual stadium, so that's really cool, and uh, I'm ready to, you know, experience that for the first time. And there's three, so back to back to back, so that's even better. You know, staying staying home for the first three, not having to travel to, uh, you know, the West Coast, so that's going to be super awesome. Yeah, dude, you really opened some eyes, in my opinion. Like, I've known you for a long time, but your results uh, at Supercross this year, 2020, uh, some of those, a couple of those LCQ battles you had were just awesome dude i i was yelling at the tv uh, or when i was there live you know standing up in the press box yelling um what did you learn from this year in supercross that maybe surprised you about you know about the sport about maybe what you didn't expect and maybe helps you coming into 21 um uh some things that surprised me it's uh it, it's it's really just <laughs> like you know you see like from uh how i've watched it in the past and it's like man that's crazy they're just doing some crazy stuff out there and they're the tracks are definitely even if you don't get to walk them and you see them from the stadium sometimes down there they are even earlier you know so yeah just just like uh experiencing that and at the end of the day like once or it takes me a little bit to get used to you know environment different environment changes sure. but once i kind of get used to things uh it's kind of just like any other race like it, it you can kind of focus on the things uh you need to and 
it's cool to see how it kind of becomes like just racing your dirt bike, you know, any other local race in, you know, in Texas or wherever you're from. So it, that, that, that really kind of, uh, kept me, kept me calm once I found, you know, that feeling of just racing your dirt bike, you know, so eyes, and then now I kind of, I kind of have seen how the days, well, I definitely have seen how the days go on race day. So it kind of keeps me uh, calm in a way that I, I kind of know what's coming next and how the track breaks down in different ways right. throughout practice and kind of kind of how there's a bunch of different riding styles and I know mine's a little different than a lot. So I kind of have to just understand mine and kind of build throughout the day because sometimes I'm not the greatest, you know, in the first <laughs> practice. Right. So I just have to calm down uh, throughout those times. All right, nice. Kern, that, Kern, this is Shan. That's kind of the beauty of Houston having three rounds. You're looking for some consistency, basically. And let's say you've got cobwebs on that opening round. The good part is you've got the second and third round right there in your hometown, and you get that consistent going in, and you, you knock those cobwebs off from the first round. So that's going to play right into your part. Um you're going to be running under. I, I. This is maybe the dumbest question in the history of the world here. <laughs> I doubt but it. You're going to be running. TJ's uh, not here, so yeah, TJ's not here. You're going to be running under the uh, Big Dan and Chip Mun uh, banner, I assume. Correct. Uh, no, sir. no. You're uh, doing. You're doing the actually, Van Man. Uh, the Team All South. Yeah, All yep. South. Yep. Team, you know. Yeah, yeah. This is like I did this past year. That's the plan uh, as of now, and yeah, that's. That's uh, who I'm going to be, you know, I, with throughout the this for, coming up season. This plan. Totally forgot about that. I knew that last year. Yeah, uh, they did, came on board, and I yeah. did that group photo of y'all. Yep. It, it, but I totally forgot about that. I'm just so used to you being with uh, with Mun for so many years in, in your uh, amateur and A career. Uh, I got one other question for you, real quick. The Texas Winter Series falls on some of these dates. It's kicking off. Um, you're one of the front runners, in, if not the front runner, in the 250 and 450A classes. Are we going to be seeing you uh, tag team at some Supercross? Yeah, Supercross, and then go hit some of the uh, Winter Series at Freestone. Um, possibly. I know this past year it was uh, I, I was had been riding some Supercross a good bit, and I know the the first uh, Winter Series race was like the right the weekend before, and I was kind of like, man, I, I've done a lot for Supercross, and that's all I've been riding, and I almost raced. I went out there, I had a I still uh, let me touch on this a little bit. It'd be yeah. Cool. Um. I I still I use, you know, I I had a bunch of help from Chip and Big Dan last year. You know, throughout the whole season, this 2020 season, I just like to thank them. They they were a big part of you know making things definitely a lot easier on me. Sure. Even though I'm part of Team All South, they you know they're they were part of it with me. Uh. So, I appreciate those guys. You know so much and everything and. uh uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that they 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 are a part, you know, of my program. So I appreciate that. But um, nice. yeah, I, I might be this year. I know it's the anyway, they, the uh, Supercross is the 16th, the first round. So I think if I remember correct, I seen saw the schedule the other day. So it's like the first and second of the year. So right, yeah. it might be a little bit more doable. Just kind of de- depends on how I'm feeling at that time. You you never know. Sometimes I kind of. I have a feeling I'm just like, yeah, let's go racing or whatever. And then sometimes I just, I don't have a right feeling about something. And I kind of just kind of stick with what I feel. And uh, a lot of the time I do try to race those races because I, I like racing, you know, those races, any other 
race in Texas. I really like to just go racing, but uh, sometimes I do get the little feelings that maybe I shouldn't, you know, I put a lot of time yeah. into Supercross. So we'll see once it comes, but no, that's definitely an awesome series. And uh, for all everyone listening, I, I, you know, would recommend taking yourself or, you know, your your son or daughter to go racing for the winter series. It's, it's awesome. And I, I did it for many years, uh, coming, you know, racing in the amateur stuff and I still do it. So, yeah, the reason why, yeah. And the reason why I asked that is because, um, obviously supercross can be pretty expensive and you are a, um, a home run hitter basically in any outdoor race in Texas. So I know that between contingency and the pro purse, you could go to Freestone and make, you know, who knows, $1,500, $800, just put a little cash in your pocket. Pretty easy deal for you. You've got Freestone dialed in. Uh, we've seen you just tear that track up and win so many times there. Like faster than when I raced it for MotoMasters? Slightly faster, Jamie. Slightly faster. I, I feel like This I, guy on the microphone is slightly faster I than you, I feel like I had his number that day we rode the rut track at uh, uh, Athens. <laughs> at I mean, Athens? I, I wasn't showing him everything I had. But I kind of feel like if I had stepped it up, I, I had his number. Kern, were but, you nervous when you saw Jamie Guida behind you, the big number three? Afraid I was going to crash in front of him. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I remember that day. That was. I, I really like Athens. It's it's an. I've just started going out there. I think one of my first times was the time I yeah. saw Jamie out there. So, man, I I recommend going out there too. It's a, it's a cool place for well, sure. But no, it, it was a fun day, and I I'm glad to see Dark Side ride. You know, <laughs> uh, every once in a while, I know it's. It's like seeing, you know, a it's like, full moon or something when he's out, you know? It's like seeing, it's like seeing a sack <laughs> of wet concrete. It's horrible, and it's at a dead stop. <laughs> uh, but I interrupted no, Shad's yeah, question, just, so he just, was just, just talking about the, I just thought the it'd financial be easy, side. Yeah, it'd of, be an easy easy way to just yeah, go pick up, you know, making that decision. pro purse and contingency yeah. money right before Supercross kicks off. Yeah. That's just, that was just kind of my, my uh, theory behind the question. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that definitely always – helps me out you know racing the races that you know help help us guys out a little bit more with a good you know purse and maybe a little bit added in you know so that always helps and usually i'm very down and uh down to do really even if they don't pay you know awesome uh i'm down to do but it definitely does help and i appreciate you know the promoters and everyone coming together and doing that for us guys and if i feel if i'm feeling uh right about it at the time i'll probably race it we'll see right on yeah so yeah, Kern uh, has no idea what I'm talking about. I've got my YouTube up, and you and Shan's wondering why I'm shaking my head because my producer TJ, who is not in studio as usual, yeah, that, that. Uh, is making fun of me. He says Dark Side. If Dark Side's riding, you're gonna see a crash. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't crash the last two times I rode. Shut up, TJ. You don't even ride anymore. You don't do the show anymore. Kern, anyway, <laughs> Kern, tell us a little bit about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kern, tell us a little bit about the about the team. Is um, I guess uh, who's all on board? Who's all your teammates is it the same as last year yeah yes sir um just a little bit of background i know uh, uh a lot of people probably have heard but uh uh john mccola he he started you know team all south with van and he van was pretty much the original rider yep. uh for all south at first and then uh along became you know or came on a few other riders and everything and uh he passed away you know Right after, I think it, it was around the week after Houston Supercross 2019, and uh, it was a big deal. And uh, his his daughter Abby, she ended up one. She stepped up and was like, "Let's let's keep going racing and let's uh, 
you know, let's do it, you know. And she she wants to do it for her dad, and that's so awesome. And I know we're all glad to, uh, you know, to help her do something that you know her dad loved, you know, yeah, yeah. all for him. And uh, that's kind of where it, it, the whole team is. You know, that's why every everyone has the help and everything. It's all because of uh, Dado, and she's she's uh, letting his name live on, you know, through what he loved to do and help out with Van and the sport and everything. And uh, so this year in 2021, the plan is it's going to be Van. He's coming back and he's going to be, you know, racing Supercross and everything. So Van, myself, uh, Nick Schmidt, and then Josh Greco. So it's going to be us four. And uh, the plan is uh, for right now, I know Nick and Van are going to be racing 455 full time. And I believe Josh Greco is going to be racing 250 West Coast, as uh, I know right now. And myself, I plan to do, you know, the 250 East Coast and mm-hmm. then hopefully get on the 450 once it, once it goes uh, west and complete out that on the 450 just to get some more racing time and see what I can do with those guys. Right on. I like it, man. I'm really – I love seeing all our Texas boys out there. Uh, you know, I don't know if John Short's got anything yet and Ryder Floyd's trying to work on some things and maybe Grant Harlan to make some. But it's it's really cool to see our guys – out there, you know, putting a fight in the night show, and then with having six rounds in Texas to have our group of guys make a showing. I mean, it, it even if not all of them make the night show, let's say it's still it just it makes the environment for us fun. It makes me proud to see what you guys are doing. Yeah, for real, so awesome. I know when I was younger and kind of just going and watching Supercrosses, I would see you know kind of privateers like myself that would race in texas and yep. i would see them and watch, watch practice and everything yeah well, a few a few guys for sure and i always like you know knowing knowing those guys and watching them throughout the day so that's super cool and i'm glad there's six in texas there's a bunch of opportunities for a lot you know of our texas people to come out and hopefully come support if if they can so that's super cool and uh yeah, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun year. It's gonna be a little different with COVID, but I think right. uh, as time goes on, people will, you know adapt and get used to it, and things will get better. You've got a great opportunity to knock it out of the park with three rounds in yep. your hometown and three rounds in Dallas. So, Kern, uh, Shan here saying you know best of luck. And uh, real quick, is uh, are you riding? Do any riding with Kyle Swanson and Lane Shaw at all? Any training? Any riding? Where are those two cats up to? I think Lane's in Florida. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, Lane, he he's in Florida. He's doing some Supercross uh, riding out there and preparing out there in Florida. And then uh, Kyle Swanson, I don't really know exactly if he's been riding any Supercross or any of that, but I know he's he's been re- going out to Cycle Ranch and doing some training stuff out there. So cool. I think that's you know I'm not sure of their or Kyle's plans uh, and all that, but uh, I've just kind of been starting to ride a little bit up here near, you know, the Dallas area, Compound yeah. 77 and stuff. With, uh, it's been cross, kind of ridden a few times with Ryder Floyd, uh, Grant Harlan, and uh, Mitchell Oldenburg. So that's been cool to have uh, some of these Dallas guys to come ride with. They're super good, and I, you know, I like riding with uh, kind of newer people compared to what I'm used to. So. Yeah, sure. and you can feed off them, and they're going to yep. feed off you, and you're all going to learn learn and uh and freight train yourselves up to the up to the front so that's cool to hear because i know down in houston you guys have your click and the dallas guys have <laughs> yeah. their click yeah and so anytime you can come up and get into the dallas click it's just going to benefit you period 
Yeah, for sure. I there's 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 a lot of good guys up here in the Dallas area, and it's always it's always a little different. And at the same time, not too different because you know I've I've raced a lot of them, and so it's kind of like coming up here. There they have that good group of riders that's different, and it kind of gets me out of my comfort zone. So it's awesome to come up here and ride with those guys. Yeah, awesome. Hey, Curran, man, uh, I appreciate you coming on with us for a little bit tonight. I'm looking. I just can't wait for Supercross, but again, I definitely have my my favorites with the Texas boys. So I'm looking forward to seeing you guys in in a month or so. And uh, you know, I'll be down there for a few days, hanging out, and hopefully we'll get together and maybe maybe go grab a bite or something. Oh, for sure. Just let me know. Uh, we I hope to see you there for sure. Like I'll I have there. this past year, it was always good to see to see you, Dark Side, for sure. And uh, hopefully see you soon. And you know, just ride. You know, you need to get oh, out yeah. there. The more the more you ride, the you know the comfortable you get on your bike. So yeah. I know things. I get sketchy every day, you know. So uh, yeah, but you have a lot more talent to save it when you get sketchy. So, no, I just maybe I just get lucky. I don't know. Uh, I don't know about that, but you know, I'll tell you, I you you don't know this, but a couple of weeks ago I flew to Alabama to my uncle's, and he used to race back in the seventies, and his son's kind of getting into it a little bit. So he went and bought a twenty-one CRF two hundred and fifty, and. I don't know why he bought a brand-new bike like that, my uncle, but I rode that bike at his house and absolutely fell in love with riding again, riding that 250. Like, I'm really thinking about getting rid of my 450 and buying a 250. I had so much fun. Yeah, for sure. They Honestly, like, I, I, I ride both, but yeah. uh, if I ride my 450 for a long time, like, I, and I go back to the 250. It's definitely a little slower, but honestly, you can kind of ride it a different. And it, honestly, for a lot of people, I would just recommend getting a 250. Yep. They're fun. You can probably do, you know, more than your limit on a 250. Because sometimes a 250, I can either even get, you know, I'm not riding it to its full potential. Sure. People, you know, beat me on it. So I recommend that because a lot of the time, the 450, they are dangerous. I, I have to <laughs> yeah. say they're a little dangerous, and they'll get away from myself. I've you know, done it. Yeah. So, well, see, and if I go uh, to a 250, I can then use that as the excuse as to why I'm not jumping the big double. I probably don't have enough power. That's my excuse instead of I'm scared. No, yeah, no, yeah. Let's <laughs> let that that that'll be all right. Hey. Yeah, <laughs> all right, Kurt. I'm gonna let you go, man. But we will see you soon, bud. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. You guys have a good rest of the show, and yeah, see you guys in Houston and hopefully in Dallas as well. I Absolutely. Plan to be there, so. Right on. Uh, you guys, if, if you guys see me or can get into the pits and everything, come by the, you know, the T-Mall. So, yep. uh, Rig and, you know, come hang out with us guys. It, it'd be cool to see you guys. All, All right. right. We'll do it, man. Take care, buddy. See ya, Kerman. you, Kerman. Yeah. All right. That's Curran Thurman. Appreciate all our guests tonight. Uh, as far as guests, that's a wrap. I want to touch on just a couple more things with you, Shand and Rob. Um, Shock Socks. You've been on board with us since the beginning. I appreciate that. Yeah. How's that going? Sales are great. Uh, this COVID whole pandemic thing has been, as everybody knows, has been phenomenal for the power sports industry, the dealerships selling products, selling bikes, UTVs, you name it. Uh, the shock sock sales are, are spot on, continued growth. Uh, can't thank Tucker Power Sports enough for being the distributor of shock socks. 
and um, appreciate you, Jamie. You guys have been in my corner. I've, I've grown that business, but I've done it with the help of a lot of great people in my corner. Uh, Lawn Dart Springer is one of them. <laughs> Jamie, you're another one. That's why when you called me about the show, I said absolutely because – I believed in helping you out and yeah. starting your show small, one man outfit back in the day. Uh, it the, was four, really. Four, but yeah. yeah, I was the only one you really knew. Well, you knew TJ. No, but I knew TJ. No, nobody wants to know yeah, TJ. I knew TJ very well. Poor uh, guy. I'm sorry. But, you know, everybody had a part in helping me grow something. So yeah. when you called me and said, "Can you know, would you like to sponsor my show? Absolutely, Jamie. Anything to help you grow the show. So appreciate you asking. It's kind of funny that you uh, tied in um, uh, Shock Socks. Uh, with the Justin Bogle interlude here yeah. the, because of the Rocky Mountain ATV tie-in. They sell yep. – Rocky Mountain ATV sells so many shock socks, it is unreal. They order them through Tucker Power Sports, and they're the number one shock sock seller. So uh, can't, nice. thank all, can't thank all the shock socks people, uh, the Street Series and the Dirt Series, for the num- making us the number one motorcycle fork seal protector on the market, Jamie. Awesome. TJ just said that you really are truly a great guy. So Thanks, he, he must want something. Does yeah, the he, checks, need the gra- checks in the mail. <laughs> yeah, he needs graphics <laughs> needs and shock graphics. socks. Yeah. So okay, then I want to move on to that. Berm Lords, uh you you kind I know Adam, your your design guy, listens to pulp, so you kind of have gotten you don't really listen. You've gotten some of the feedback of yeah. Steve Mathis and Chris Kiefer yeah. making fun of my graphics and yeah. then your graphics now, were hideous. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> and I made them. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Adam, Adam, Adam is the designer for Berm Lords. Um, I'm the owner. Uh, the the com- I formed Berm Capital Company and Berm Lords a long time ago from a company standpoint. And uh, about three years ago, we launched Berm Lords Graphics. Uh, brought Adam in as the as the designer. He and I kind of collaborate and work on the designs. I help him proof them over. I help him with some of the production side of things. He's the he's going to sit on the laptop and knock out the uh, software. But uh, appreciate you bringing that up. Appreciate you letting us uh, jump on board this, this, what, couple of months ago as a sponsor for yeah. 2021. Yeah, it's been about three months, four months, something like yeah. that. And, uh, you know, every guy, even you, making fun of my graphics, like a lot of people have sent pictures of some, like, old school vintage bikes, and their front fenders are covered in graphics. Right. I just went old school, dude. Right. But what I tell everybody, and I think I've probably expressed this to you, is I still... I'm a small person in the industry. I barely even sure. feel like I'm in the industry. Sure. So when a fly racing, a guts racing, a blood lubricants, a shock socks, whoever gives me a discount or yeah. free product. And I'm like, I don't, why do I deserve this? All, all I can really do is advertise for those guys and show my appreciation. So everybody that helps goes on the damn bike. All right. Well, here's, here's the deal. <laughs> this is the funny part. Rob, listen to this. Adam comes in and goes, Man, do you see Jamie's sponsor list? And yeah. I said sponsor list. He barely races the novice class. How's he got sponsors? And uh, we <laughs> we laughed. I know TJ's laughing right now. We laughed about that, and he goes, he goes, it's just so many so many logos we got to put everywhere, and, and he kind of mocked it up. And I said, man, I go, that's that's pretty hideous. And he and Adam goes, Jeez. Adam goes, I know. And I said, well, sometimes you just got to let somebody hang themselves. <laughs> Why? He, so, all he had to do was like. And I told Chris Kiefer this too, like, because he's like, oh, I sent the picture. He's like, yeah, it looks good. And then he makes fun of me. I'm like, dude, all you, why wouldn't you tell me? Well, because sometimes the customer's right. And, and I, <laughs> you know, we laughed about it thinking, well, it's because Jamie, because I told Adam, I said, maybe we should try to rearrange some of this. And, ja- and, yeah. and Adam goes, no, Jamie said, this needs to go here. This needs to On go here. On some of it, I did. Yeah, well. But then, like, I didn't even notice I was going through some stuff at the time. So I, when I re- looked at the proof, <laughs> I didn't notice, like, Kiefer Inc. was on there three times. Right. I honestly didn't notice. It didn't need to be. 
Jamie, you're Jamie. I'm the owner of the company, and I love you yeah. like a brother, and I've yeah. helped you out. You're one of the only proofs that I looked at and rolled my eyes, like I don't want this out there. Wow, <laughs> but man. but we did it. Hey. And, and look at look at all the look what it's brought. Look at all the fun at your expense. Yeah. everybody yeah. <laughs> on that pulp show and all the pulp listeners have had, right. and that's translates translated sure. over to to them just throwing out the lords of berm and playing you know playing with <laughs> yeah. the name. And, and yeah, I know it's all in good fun. We're a big huge motocross family. Sure. And, uh, you know, next time we'll just make sure we do the graphics the way we see fit for you, Jamie. <laughs> okay. You, you don't really have any input yeah. at all. You're just going to put them on the bike, and you're probably going to go a lot faster and not crash near as often, too. You think so? I know so. All right. I- I've told this story, too, on here, like, multiple times after Kiefer and Mathis made fun of me. Like, that first two weeks, I'd walk out of my shop, and I'd turn the light on. i go, I'm pulling that center sticker off the front fender. And I'd look at it and go, no, I like it. It looks good. Those are my sponsors. F you. So it's still there. Hey. <laughs> What do you call it when people give you free crap or even a discount? That's a sponsor. It's endorsement. Okay, well, okay, then my endorsements. Either way. Sponsor, uh, yeah. TJ says I'm full of excuses. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Anyway. All right, guys. Rob, what'd you think, man? That was great. Lots yeah. Fun. Thanks for having me today. Now your mic's not working. Oh. Isn't that weird? No, yeah, yeah, now your mic's not working. Talk, talk, Rob. Hello. Yep. It's not picking me? up. No? Okay. Well, hopefully it was fun. Well, Rob said he had a good time. Yeah. I gotta figure out the mic suit. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Switch over to his real quick. Had a good time. Come gotta, on over here, Rob. Come on over here, I got to figure out what's going on. That doesn't make any sense. That's weird. Did, that, did mine just cut off, too? Mine just cut nope, off. No, yours is working. Okay. Well, hey, we got an out outtake. We're going to be. Yeah, out. you guys stay tuned. I'm going to. I've got a little bonus material that we pre recorded that I'll add on this thing and uh, I'll figure out the mics here in a minute. But other than that, uh, guys, that's the end of episode 181. I want to thank once again Cherubies USA, Berm Lords Graphics and Jersey ID, Torque One Racing, Shock Socks, Allsport Dynamics, Blood Lubricants, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, Extreme Colors Helmet Painting, Williams Moto Works, and X Brand Goggles. Jamie, thanks for letting us come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, we're, one more thing. The book, yeah. uh, Berm, it's still available? Yeah, Berm book, BermBook.com. Got plenty of copies. Hardcover. BermBook.com. Yeah. For, if you guys want the the, mo- the best book on Texas moto history. The only book on Texas yeah, moto yeah, history. Yeah, really. It's it's awesome. Uh, there, I don't think there's any hard copies left. There's plenty of hard copies. Oh, well, damn it. I wanted it's to have full, something special. It's a full <laughs> coffee table hardcover history book on Texas motocross. So if you're a Texas motocross fan or a motocross historian, uh, or you got a little kid, it's the ultimate Christmas gift coming up. I can yeah. still get them shipped out. So uh, they're about twenty four ninety five. You can go to bermbook.com or perfect berm the Texas motocross chronicles.com or shocksocks.com. Awesome. All right, guys. Other than that, thanks to our YouTube guys. Uh, Patreon supporters, please go to patreon.com if you guys want to sign up and help support the show. Uh, maybe that'll help us figure out the mic problem that we're not. Always something. But anyway, we'll get it figured out. We're out of here. Hey, this is Benny Bloss, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Best one out there. All right, guys. If you're uh, still with us at the end of the show, Shand and uh, Lawn Dart and I decided to, we, before the show started, we were just going to talk some shit, talk some, about some things that happened in the past in our Texas moto scene. Shand, you uh, you wanted to bring up an old story. A little bench racing, a little bench racing, Jamie. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that time you raced the 85 CR250. We all went to Johnsonville to race vintage motocross for a change. And uh, you begged me. You didn't beg. You just asked, hey, can yeah. I, I'd love to race one of your bikes, Shand. And and you told me, you straight up said. <laughs> and Rob, you probably, Londart, you probably remember this. He said, uh, you know, I just, all I want to do is beat you. I want to beat you, Shan. I want to beat you. It's all Jamie cared about. He didn't care if he won $1,000 that day. He wanted to beat yeah. me on my bike. And uh, it didn't happen. No. Well, <laughs> first of all, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I really only asked because I figured you'd say no. And I was scared to 
tear up the the mean machine that is your old CR250. The thing was amazing. Uh, maybe fall in love with vintage racing for sure. But really, I say it here all the time on this show that, especially at our age, when you go to the track, really the only goal besides not getting hurt is beating your friends. Beating your friend, yeah. I mean, I I don't care if I finish tenth out of eleven as long as I beat TJ, right? Or you, Shand, yeah. or whoever. That, that's really all that matters. Other than like Michael Dean Gage, like I know I'm never going to beat him. Sure, he's a he's a skill set way <laughs> yeah. above us. Yeah, that's yeah. For sure. But when it comes to my buddies in my general ability level that's all that really matters you wanted to beat me that day so bad and that's why i hang out with londar springer he's 10 years older than me <laughs> so i figure if i can't beat londar who's 10 years older than me we're, we're both the same skill we're all three about the same skill set. yeah um but that day um we had a good race you and i jamie we had a really good race i bested you rightfully so i was on my own equipment you were on my a borrow bike but uh another funny story is jamie since we're doing this bench racing yeah. on, the, on the dark side uh, I bring the light side of things. Uh, Millville one year, Rob. Remember going to Millville? Sure. Jamie wanted to beat us at Millville. He wanted Ooh. he wanted to beat me at Millville, and he was leading me. And we went down into the Millville, the legendary Millville whoops, down the first straight, go into the U-turn, and come around in the U-turn. He's right ahead of me, and he stalls his bike. And I pop my bike. I'm on a, He's on a 450. He's on a 450, and uh, I'm on my 252-stroke. Two, so I pop out of the out of the deep sandy rut and just laugh at him. I heckle him <laughs> yeah, as he's yeah. sitting there trying to crank his bike up. Easy pass. Yeah, yeah easy pass. So that that kind of repeated itself the next year at Millville. I think I stalled again. Yeah. Yeah. That that didn't. It never does go the way I plan. It's. I just bring all this up because it is. It's the roasting hour here yeah. for these outtakes. <laughs> but it's just kind of funny because Jamie is always wanting to beat me and he never has <laughs> not once and it's just great uh, now rob or no rob and i Londard here next to us uh he's he's solid man he's beat me some motos i beat right. him some motos we have some really good racing it's just a lot of fun yes we do we do have a lot of fun going the track i mean shan i we're gonna this has probably already been talked about on the, the the main show which we haven't actually recorded yet but i've known you a long time you know and it's always so much fun hanging out with you and at the track it's like you're just always the life of the party uh thank you jamie so yeah i mean it's it's all it doesn't even when i don't beat you it's still at least it's a good time right you know going to millville i'd heard you tell the stories of going to millville with the blocks black sock mafia and springer so many times i finally got to do that a couple of years ago yeah and it lived up to the hype man that's it's, I, it's I, a lot of fun hanging yeah. out on pervert hill there at spring pervert creek hill <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because when i talk to people now i'm like yeah, my buddies go every year. They've been going for like 20 years. They hang out there on Pervert Hill, and they're like, what? Pervert. Yeah, what What the heck is that? <laughs> the waterfall, man. They're at the waterfall. Right. The swim area. Um, how about you being a bad influence? Londart, I mean, how is, – is he a bad – is Shannon a bad influence yeah, That's for you part too? of the fun at the track with him, though. Yes, he is <laughs> a very bad influence on many, many people. So, And I, I bring this up <clears throat> yeah. because of uh, Diamond Dawn's. What three years ago? Oh yeah, no, that was about yeah, that was about maybe five, five yeah, maybe years more ago. Than that, yeah. It's been a while, Jamie. It's yeah. been every year you've been there, Shan. Yes, well, but <laughs> yeah, you you, I, I never do things that would get me in trouble, really. Yeah, I, I, but that night, I con I con Jamie into do something really, really, really horrible, that was and he kind of halfway got caught. Oh, I got caught. We just we ever, took, uh, well, go ahead. We just took off running. And I told Jamie, "Don't worry about it, man." <laughs> it's yes. only grand theft. Don't worry, yeah. buddy. He's like, hey. Middle of the night, right? I mean, it had to yeah, be nine, like, 10 o'clock at night. Everybody's getting chilled down to, to sleep the night before the races. And Shannon's like, hey, anybody know how to move a, run a bulldozer? Like, yeah, yeah, I do. And 
Go move that bulldozer. Diamond Don's bulldozer. <laughs> All right, sure. So I got in it, cranked the thing up. It's cold. Everybody's standing around. I start removing the thing, and the next thing I know, there's nobody around. And the staff's coming out the, the staff. The staff's coming out the office door. All my friends, including my fiance Amber, <laughs> were gone. <laughs> Took off running. And I was like, yeah, uh, I, I was asked to move it. Uh, and they're like, stay right here. We're going to go call Diamond Dawn. And I was like, okay. And as soon as she turned around, I was gone. Yeah, he took off. <laughs> yeah, so, Jamie, I've been known to pull some pranks and have and instigate yeah, some pranks. But clearly. It's all it's all in fun. I, I, I It's funny you say I'm the life of the party at the track. It's, the stories are, are legendary here in Texas and in, in Minnesota, yeah. Arizona, California. But uh, I just have a lot of fun. It's It doesn't harm anybody. There's only – few dudes you know lost some toes and i'd say only a few one guys guy ever got, got harmed one guy got shot in the femur by a 22 millimeter <laughs> but it's okay he survived he lived wow yeah the stories how about Londar? how'd you meet shan uh met him at diamond dons actually he, he crashed in front of me no yeah. oh yeah that was at, at, at underground you need to get under the microphone that's right, right. okay yeah put that, it in your mouth I'll, like I'll you normally the, do i'll move okay. that mic in a second we'll get it in a better spot <laughs> lean back if you want and pull it to you yeah, uh, Mike Hans invited me out to do a ride day uh, with, with a group of guys out at Underground, and Shand was putting it on. I didn't know him at the time, and I had a huge get-off right in front of him, mm. tweaked my knee, and he, I guess that's really how we started talking. And He got jacked up. It was yeah, great. Yeah. He Hans calls me and says, uh, Shand, you know, it's the Black Sock Mafia Team Cramp Vetch Not Ride Day. <laughs> and uh, he, Hans, Lord Hans calls and says, Shand, can I invite one of my old buddies from high school? You know, lived, he grew up in Richardson. He lives out in Longview now. And I said, yeah, that's fine. He was, okay, I know it's low-key. There's not, It's not open to the public. Yeah. He's just going to bring himself. And I said, that's fine. Springer here, Londart, shows up, comes over. And you know Rob. He's, just, he's a big teddy bear. Yeah. He comes over and goes, hey, Shan, I'm Rob Springer here. Thanks for he's shaking my hand. Thanks for letting me come out and be a part of the day. Really appreciate it. I'm like, okay, no worries. You know, you're – I guess you're Hans's friend. He said, yeah, I'm Hans's friend. Okay, well, I'll see you later. Thanks. We gear up. We go out there and ride. He's right in front of me, Jamie, and he – the the track was pretty snotty and, and uh, slippery from overcast and little dew and mist, and it's in December. Yep. So it's probably 45 degrees, freezing cold. We go up the, We go up a slight tabletop, and he just slides out and loses <laughs> it and uh, rolls down the side of the hill. But when he does, when he grenades into the ground, lawn darts himself into the ground – I'm literally right on his rear fender. I almost crunch his ribs with my front tire. I lock up the front end, almost go down. Look down. He, he's kind of rolled down the embankment at this time. Like, hey, dude, you okay, man? <laughs> he's like, I think he's out of breath. He, cr- you know, cracked some ribs. and, and uh, Gee, well, That's fun. Yeah, so we got him up and uh, got him back to the truck, and that's kind of when the friendship began. And, okay. And, uh, that was in December, and then it was, um, I guess, April um, – I want to thank probably April at Diamond Dons. We we ended up parking yeah, next to each other, yeah, and uh, and that's when our true friendship really really began. So it's been about eight or nine years now. Nice, yeah. I remember those old Vet Unite team cramp right. I only got to do one at Johnsonville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know you you sucked me into how fun that was, and then you just never had another one. Boy, they got outlawed. They got banned. Oh, okay. <laughs> Two dudes died. <laughs> okay, not yeah. even from crashing, man. Just right. the just the drugs we were handing out that uh, day. Oh, okay, yeah. See, I, I was I, I was in the back. I didn't notice any of that. Yeah. So yeah. I just remember the homemade Mexican food. Yeah. That you made, and that's really all I remember. The enchiladas yeah. and, the, and the carne asada tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the fish fry too. That. Oh, yeah, we had catfish right? fry. Yeah. You've got a good memory, Lawn Dart. <laughs> Where'd Lawn Dart come from? 
Well, he crashed right in front that, of me. That, that race? Well, not necessarily. Oh, okay. That was the kind of that was kind of the uh, was another another crash. Yeah, that was kind of the cake getting built, uh, yeah. getting getting prepared and about to stick in the oven. I'm up at uh, Paris Motocross Park announcing a race, a huge, huge, huge. I think it was a full moon series race. It was packed, and Rob had brought his then girlfriend to the races. They come up into the announcers tower, shake hands. Hey, Rob, good to see you, buddy, and. And he tells me that his his girlfriend at the time kind of put together a contingency program that if he goes out and wins this moto, some really good special things are going to happen to him nice. on the drive home. Yeah. You know, so go get him, Rob. Have fun, man. That's the best <laughs> That's the best contingency program I've ever heard of yeah, in my yeah, life. Yeah. So one of your former guests in an East Texas, uh, Texas legend and East Texas cat, Derek Wedding, Rob he and Derek Wedding. Me. Yeah, Derek Wedding goes out there and they put on one heck of a race in one of the vet classes. Rob is actually leading the legend Derek Wedding, holding his own. I'm calling the action. It's a night race. They're on the far side of the track. You see these two guys go up over a tabletop, and then Rob just grenades himself into the ground. And all I could think about was. Man, that contingency program just went out the window. <laughs> I didn't care if he was, you know, yeah, broken okay, femur right. or broken wrist or concussion. Right. I just knew that things were not going to be all that well on the drive home. Yeah. Because of the contingency program, and uh, that so that was the second lawn dart situation. Okay. And I think at that point, I thought, you know, I've seen this dude ride twice, and <laughs> two times he's grenaded himself he's pretty well. But he's really not. No, That's he's the crazy not. part. Yeah, he's extremely yeah. fast. There was a lot of pressure in that race. I yes, guess so. Yes. I guess so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but, uh, uh, that's 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 kind of how the, the the nickname came about, Jamie. I like it. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap this thing up, and because we're actually getting ready to start the main show, so I uh, hope you enjoyed a couple of stories. <laughs>